Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Word association, Dirty Curdy, first thing that comes to mind. He changed the league, am I wrong? God, I hate Tom Brady. He's talented, but yeah. You just won't call him the goat, will you? We should have called ourselves the Hashtag Tits Podcast. A thousand downloads a day, guaranteed. Dude, it is talking sports. I love it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> is he the best running back you've ever seen? If he's not, then who is? Who do you put at number one, bro? There will be a Detroit Pistons Bad Boys episode one day. And you love that two-year run, don't you? No, I do. You can get a hot bat anywhere. You build around your pitching, or at least I do if I'm in charge. Pitching and defense wins your World Series, hands down. I came out of the closet <laughs> as a Lakers fan. Whoa, bro, scare me there for a second. Ah, uh, sure bet, sure bet. <laughs> there will be an increase of boxing talk on this show. I love boxing. I'm down for that anytime. Our few non-sports episodes have been pretty well received. We do a good thing by running a two-fold podcast. Please put Pete Rose in the damn Hall of Fame. Charlie Hustle, the all-time hits leader. It's political bullshit. And if he ever sees the Hall of Fame, he'll be after he's no longer with us. I miss the NBA I grew up on in the 90s and the early 2000s. The game isn't the same, but these kids can play. We're starting to talk more hockey, and that's, you know, that's that's never a bad thing. Puck the world, puck it all. Puck the world, Kurt (laughs) says. I promise you, I can work a pro wrestling reference into every episode. Want to see me do it? Weird flex, but okay. I can't believe, uh, seriously, in all seriousness, I can't believe we've been doing this show a year now. I can't believe people still listen after a year, you know. You have the perfect face for radio. Oh, cut me deep, son. Cut me deep. He exploded a bird with a fastball. I seen it happen. Randy Johnson, the big unit. The, the big unit. So, uh, you know, I, I got a little soccer news no, for you. No, let me stop you right there. That's a no for me. We don't talk soccer on this show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let me ask you, though. Does Kobe win three in a row without Shaq on the Lakers? What do you think? Boy, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty tough. All right, well, look at it this way. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Without question. And he's still so young. Lots of knowledge left in that kid. All right, guys. Enjoy the next episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Toes and scoreboards. Jared Atkins alongside the beautiful beardless bastard as he is shaved. Uh, what's up, bro? Kirk, what's up, bro? Not <laughs> much. This has been a fucked up night. Ah, it's all right. We were supposed to record today. Then I said I was going to be late, so we we're just going to remote at home. And then I said, no, we need to do this episode here. And now we're rearranged we were completely in a different spot it took me forever to set the equipment up and i was running around freaking out and but, uh, here we are folks here we are yes Hi. we are uh two weeks removed fresh from our richmond indiana trip yes, yes. great time that was a shout out two beers <laughs> after two beers shout out after two beers yes after two beers podcast uh 
our episode with After Two Beers is up uh, as far as our end. The episode we sit in on them with, uh, check it out. They're available on uh, all your podcast channels. Their episode is just simply titled Steel Toes and Scoreboards. As far as me and Kurt's episode, that's uh, taking a little bit more. I am not converting the audio. I am having issues converting that, so I'm probably going to get in touch with their producer, Kevin, and uh, give Kevin the login information to, stand by. to our page and have Kevin upload it because I, I am having uber trouble converting this. So, But enough about that. We, uh, we've got a treat tonight. Yeah. Uh, and time expired on me, so I am 90% finished with the notes on this episode, and I am confident about that because I have the mobile hotspot hooked up on my phone for internet to the laptop, and... We just got to know where he's at. Dude. And, well, I mean, it's 10, you know, it's the only, the other 10%, you know, but... Where's he at? Where's he at? The at, the him that Kerr is referring to is, uh... Probably one of the greatest mysteries in not just American history, but world history. And that is the disappearance of Teamsters leader, Jimmy Hoffa. Now, where's he at? Really? So, <laughs> so uh, tonight's topic is something that's captivated me since the first time I heard the story in the name of Jimmy Hoffa. I was about 12, 13 years old. Right. So we're talking like, you know, 99, 2000. Right. right. And I was just fascinated with the story ever since. And um, it take place in the 60s, right? 50s, uh, 60s, 70s. 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 Okay. So, uh, in preparation for this episode, I, I have just uh, I've been amassed in uh, American mafia mafia culture lately. I've been watching all kind of documentaries, reading been, about the five families. I've been thinking of a thousand ways to kill somebody and hide your body. See, that's right up that alley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been watching The Sopranos. I started The Sopranos. Right. So, but, uh, all right, man. Yeah, let's dive into it. I'm excited about that. Uh, and the first thing we're going to do is we're going to plug, uh, we're going to pay a bill. And actually, Kurt, this one, uh, we might have just picked up a, a freebie. Uh, again, these guys are probably checking the podcast out for the very first time. Uh, I, I use the joke that we have official, unofficial sponsors. Right. These are just great companies that we promote and they've sent us a little bit of free merch right. here and there but um i got a company that i want to shout out here well shout it shout yeah. it shout it out loud i'll be damned for one for technical difficulties every time so all right here we go let's uh, let's do this so guys check out two sign guys llc based in jasper indiana these people uh, do a bunch of signs. Obviously, it says it all. They help with your advertising needs, basically. Uh, check them out. at. Uh, give them a call at 812-482-9136. Check them out at twosignguys.com. Uh, they're averaging just under a five-star rating on uh, Facebook, which is really good. They're getting 4.5 stars. Now, they've done, a, uh, they've done a bunch of sign work for... Uh, a lot of customers lately. They've done some works for uh, you know some of the businesses in Huntingburg, some personal properties, some uh, private parking signs. Who don't like a custom made sign? Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. So for seriously, guys, check out Two Sign Guys LLC. Okay. Right. Uh, if I smoke pot, 
my anxiety level, I would smoke pot right now. Really? Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Should have seen this motherfucker's face. <laughs> Uh, uh, can I just grab a drink and hit my my uh, tobacco vape before we start? I guess. Let's go. I know we've got a late night tonight. Yeah. It's been a while since we did a late night. Okay. James Riddle Hoffa. James Riddle. Now I see the look in your face. I want you. To, <laughs> yes. Considering what this story is. What's How a, weird is that that his middle name is Riddle? That's not coincidence. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> There's no way. He was born February 14th. On Valentine's on Day. On Valentine's Day. Cupid got him, didn't he? 1913. Okay. So, 1913. Over 100 years ago, right? That's no. 10 years ago. No, that's, uh, that's what? Next year will be... 23, 2023? No. It, be no. Fuck, I can't do the math. Maybe, probably, yeah. 110 years. Something like that. Basically, uh, there's no chance of finding this guy alive. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and get this hey. out of the way before we start. Jimmy yeah. Hoffa is not alive <laughs> yeah. as of September 24th. 2022 this <laughs> he, is he's, he be, he's gone he'd be 110 folks you're not gonna find him eating a burger king whopper meal with somebody like elvis or jim <laughs> morrison or tupac or right. kurt Cobain. it's just not gonna happen right yeah. you know where he was born uh no i do not brazil indiana no way hoffa was born in indiana wow that's pretty cool so i told you i'm super excited about this episode uh as I stated, oh, I should say this. Everything we present tonight, history-wise, is all based on factual information. And uh, opinion-wise, you guys are smart enough, I, I hope. I should say. I shouldn't say that about our listeners. But you're smart enough to understand that me and Kurt are semi-smart. Not completely smart. <laughs> yeah, Two that, idiots talking, talking sports. sports hashtag yeah, tits. tits. We missed the boat. Bro. We missed the boat. But, uh, you know... Our opinions are our opinions, but we try to present the most factual information we can, especially on this episode was super important to me. We're looking at 30 pages, almost nine grand worth of words. So a little bit of background about Hoffa here. I'm kind of digging this new setup we got. Yeah, I, I if I turn the mic up, yeah. I can set uh, all the wait. way back. There you go. That's what it's all about. Come so, okay. Got to be so, cozy. Hoffa's father was German. Okay, I know, big deal, right? His mother um, was Irish. Okay. So look at that little hodgepodge right, basket right. of melting ethnicity. Pot, yeah. yeah, a melting pot. There you go. So in 1924, there Hoffa's about nine years old. His family decides they're going to move to the big city for better work opportunities. So they leave Brazil, Indiana, and they move north, settling in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Okay. Where Hoffa would live out the remainder of his life until he died, because he's dead. Uh, even if he didn't, even if he wasn't dead then in '75, he's dead now. Yeah. So, but Hoffa was about 14 years old. He chose to help his family survive over education, and he quit school, taking to working manual labor jobs. Now think about that for a second. How old is he? 14. Whoa. Now think about this for a second. All right, you with me? I'm with you. Roll with me, okay? So. He drops out in the equivalency of what would be like his seventh, eighth, ninth right, grade year of high right, school, right? Right. 
But for a man to become the leader that he is and to be as well-educated and as well-spoken as he was, but he never had a high school education. He was... Uh, this means this dude's really... A, yeah, he was... Uh, he was born to be a leader. Yeah, yeah. One of them moments, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just fascinating to me. Now, he would marry a... He would marry a Polish lady, a Polak, as they call her. I can't even pronounce her last name. Her first name's Josephine. He called her Joe. <laughs> they were married September 25th, 1937. Tomorrow would have been their wedding anniversary. So he'd been 24? About in his 20s, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, she was uh, 18 at the time. She was, uh, she was a laundry worker. Okay. Doing laundry in Detroit suburbs. Uh, they met six months to a year before they got married due to a non-unionized laundry worker strike. Uh, the couple would give birth twice to a Barbara. Uh, Barbara to, to a Barbara. They would give birth to a daughter named Barbara on April 8th, 1938, and to a son named James Philip Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa Jr. Right. On May 19th, 1941. Now, just skipping along here, you want a fun fact about oh, yeah. you want a fun fact oh, yeah. about Jimmy Hoffa Jr.? He would go on to become an important piece to the Teamsters Union, just like his dad. He would become the 10th president of the IBT, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, and he would be elected to five five-year terms, serving as president of the Teamsters in 98, 2001, 2006, 2011 and 2016 his last term ended earlier this year in march 2022 as an 80 year old man this would make him the second longest serving president team history damn must be doing it right so i mean you got you got you got a hoffa in there somewhere yeah for sure okay so how did hoffa get involved with the teamsters kurt yeah i don't know you want to know yeah would you like somebody to tell you yes can i do it yes fuck it send it so Hoffa would start getting involved in workers' rights and pre-union movements while he was a teenager growing up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, he was uh, he was working for a grocery store chain at the time that was paying their workers, not just the teenagers, the adults in general, uh, in the 30s and, and whatnot, in the 20s. They were paying these guys very subpar wages. Right, right. So you couldn't make a, li- I mean, you couldn't make a living. It's like right. it's the equivalent of what we was talking about with after two beers, people going out hiring eight dollar an hour jobs. Right, right. You know, back then it was like dollar an hour, right. whatever. So Jimmy would try to, uh, you know, kind of rally the troops right. to take a stand. And of course, they're all like, "You're a dumb teenage kid. <laughs> Just you're going to cost us our job. <laughs> right, Shut up." Right. Well, some some of the workers had started listening to him, and they're like, you know, this kid might be onto something. So they try to start to unionize, but they're not sure what to do. So the the few of them that agree to this turn to this young man, Jimmy Hoffa. It's like, help us. So then Hoffa decides that uh, we're not going to take this anymore. So. They were like one case, an example. They were uh, unloading produce off these trucks just in, in the blistering summer Detroit heat, making very little pay, not getting bathroom breaks, water right, breaks. Right. They just all quit and left the produce to sit on the dock Ooh, and rot. Right. Just took a stand. Right. And these grocery store chains losing money. Right. Uh, basically, Hoffa would 
start taking a stand, get his name out there. And while he was a young man, he started to excel in a role as kind of a leader for workers' rights. Well, then as we get into his 20s uh, or so, by 1932, Hoffa would refuse to work for a terrible manager and would quit the grocery store, allowing him to get busier in roles with union-type things and workers' rights. And then this is where it starts. He was then offered a role as an organizer with the local Teamsters 299 in Detroit, Michigan. Ah. Uh-huh. So the Teamsters, okay? I've referred to that a couple times, right? What is that? The Teamsters play a very tremendous part in tonight's episode. The tremendous the Teamsters are what Jimmy Hoffa is known for. They're what Jimmy Hoffa was potentially killed for. Uh so there's a lot of information about that, but the problem is people don't know a lot about Teamsters. Right, right. So I got Teamsters backstory information. Okay. Okay. I for one don't know much about Teamsters. Are you are you interested in Yes. Okay. Well, I need a drink. Kurt, tell everybody a story while I take a drink. One time I was sitting in on a podcast with Jared and someone said <laughs> and I can't say it. Yeah, there we go. I'm not very good at that. I need a shit basket. A shit basket. You remember shit basket? Shit pan. Shit pan. Because that's a terrible idea to let you fill time while I take a drink. (laughs) Shit pan. Exactly. Shit pan. Uh, One Easter egg. One time. All right. Okay. There was this dude named Jimmy Hoffa. (laughs) Shut up. We want to know where the fuck he's at. This is probably going to go down as one of my favorite episodes because <laughs> well, we weren't even we were supposed to record, then we were going to not record together and do a remote, and now we're here. We're we sitting in the, the fuck he's at. We're sitting in the living room instead of the kitchen. We got cords. We got cords everywhere. <laughs> I am OCD as shit about these cords with this equipment. We have cords everywhere. I like it. Potential fucking fire hazard over fire. here. Fire. All right, one more drink. <laughs> How did it go in Richmond? We started off on a straight line when we were recording and fucking hard, hard yeah, 90. 90s everywhere. <laughs> the road was crooked, folks. But I had fun. It was a good time. You want to go back? Yeah, we're going back. They want us to come up. They want us to come back? We'll go back. They want us to come back three or four times a year, every three or four months, every quarter. Right. Oh, so you boy. The, what do they call it? The Easter egg? The Easter egg's got to leave little snippets of. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it. Okay. All right. So, uh, I have to tell the Teamsters backstory, yes, yes. which it's very interesting, uh, but it's kind of lengthy, but it all ties in. Well, we got to know it. Okay. Fist bump. Love you. Can't do a show without you, dick. Puss. <laughs> without my dick. Puss. That's right, old girl Hattie. So, <laughs> Hattie old girl. <laughs> this fucking show. Everybody's turning off, putting something else on now. <laughs> no. Okay. So the Teamsters was at the time, and still is in 2022, a big-time labor union in both the United States and Canada. The Teamsters were founded in 1903 by the merger of two separate but similar entities. The... Oh. I couldn't avoid that in the mic. I apologize. Tell him I at least tried to cover my he hand. He did try to cover his mouth with his hand. I just couldn't. Zero sugar Pepsi. Tremendous belts, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Skelly. 
this fucking episode. What was that? Are oh, it was a Richter scale. <laughs> All right. All if right. this was recorded in real time with stats, I could see people listening. <laughs> we'd be down to one right. right now, and that would just be each other's <laughs> headphones. All right, straighten up. Now. Okay. All right. So the Teamsters Drivers International Union and the Teamsters National Union they founded to they combined to find the Teamsters in 1933 when Hoffa had been offered uh, a job to work for the Teamsters. They had only around 75,000 members. As Hoffa would continue to impress in his first year with the Teamsters and his work with other union leaders to consolidate local truckers' unions and whatnot into big regional groups and everything, they would jump almost 100,000 in three years. Wow. And then they would jump to, here's a number for you, 420,000 by the middle of 39. That's impressive. That is impressive. You gain a lot of steam. Yeah. And... By the time World War II had got here, uh, post-war boom, you're looking at like over a million people in 1951. Wow. So, one thing I should mention is there's nothing really noteworthy about Hoffa and this particular tenure with the Teamsters until the late 40s. Basically, he's been a part of the organization for 14 to 15 years by this point. And aside from being elected to the Detroit president in 46, there's nothing really. Right. We want to know what happened. Well, we're getting there. I got to tell the backstory. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing me. You're killing. Hey, suspense. Got to build it up. I got a couple theories. Oh, we're going to talk about this. But I gotta tell a story before we get. You can't have meat and taters without the oh. appetizer. Right. right. Okay. So the Teamsters would you organize. Can't if nobody's looking. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great episode already. <laughs> so the Teamsters would organize truck drivers and warehouse men nationwide. Hoffa played a major role in the union's uh, use of uh, quick strikes. And boycotts and other means of leveraging unions to really build the Teamsters organization up. Uh, now my computers want me to reinstall. Bitch, remind me later. That's what I clicked. <laughs> Yo, so, Hattie, old girl. We can't, we can't do this right now. Yeah, Hattie, old girl. <laughs> Puss. Basically, we're going to start talking about organized crime. Right. Okay, so... The union's been corrupt since it was founded in 1903, and uh, they're starting to be heavily influenced and controlled by organized crime. For Hoffa to be able to to unify a lot of these unions together, he had to make arrangements with many gangsters. So when he was asking me off air, how did did he get involved? Well, well, this is when it really starts to to grow. And this is where Hoffa really starts to get known. So uh, Hoffa really starts to get noticed in about 1948 alongside his friend Dave Beck, who made a big name for himself in labor rights Mm. and Teamsters organizations out on the West Coast. Mm. Fun fact, Beck would go on to become the president of Teamsters for one term from 52 to 57, replacing the former leader, Daniel Tobin. It all ties together, I promise. I smell a rat. Yeah, but in the 40s, uh, 
he was just the equivalent of what would be considered an EVP inside today's organization. In a nutshell, people grew to like Dave Beck. People clamored for him to take control over the Teamsters. Uh, and the current president at the time, Daniel Tobin, didn't want this to happen. Therefore, the proverbial pissing contest over right. whose dick is bigger would, <laughs> right. would start, right. right? Okay. So Beck's like, I got to beat this guy and take control of the Teamsters. Okay. So he partners with his friend, Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Who Jimmy has been running Detroit. Beck's been on the West Coast. Beck understands that Jimmy's been getting a lot of things done around Detroit and other areas yeah. because Jimmy's got the some muscle. Uh, some muscle. Yeah. Some muscle. Yeah, take it to Daisy. There you go. All right, yeah. There's several theories that Hoffa could be in Jersey to this day. Why I said that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just seen his face. So, uh, okay. So together, Beck and Hoffa would announce a uh, a raid on certain companies and and the and other unions and the shit that they're doing wrong. Uh, this would continue to cause a further rift between current Teamsters president. Daniel Tobin and Dave Beck, and it would eventually boil over with Daniel Tobin stepping down as Teamsters president in 1952, which guaranteed Beck, with the backing of Jimmy Hoffa and his silent muscle there in the background that nobody could see, would be on to uh, become president. So you follow me so far? Yes. Okay. Lead boots. (laughs) I have to. I have to. I have to tell this. I I don't don't know. Okay. Give you a hard time. Okay. Now, where this Teamsters story starts to get back interesting is that Dave Beck had so much bullshit to deal with from uh, Daniel Tobin's previous regime, and he's not handling it all the well. While so, so he had it all fucked up. Yeah, well, yeah, he kind of walked it, you know, like when uh, you know when a certain president has things running good, and then. In 2020, you uh, take another guy into office, and he just kind of wrecks everything. And then you got to build back better, you know. Right, right. Yeah. We don't talk politics here. <laughs> Kurt, I'm over here just telling Kurt, let's go, Brandon. We don't talk politics. Unless we're drinking. Wake up, Joe. <laughs> so, but anyway, so Beck's got his hands full. He's right. he's right. he's taken over as president of the entire Teamsters organization. All across the country and North America, whatever. He's dealing with shit, but he's not paying attention to stuff over here. And all the while in the background, his friend Jimmy Hoffa is sitting there thinking, I sure would like him to have him out of the way. Huh. You know, I could do this job better. I know we're boys and everything, but this guy here is kind of a douchebag. <laughs> well, I could, uh, I could do this job a lot better. Huh. Okay, so where does this go? So this all comes after the 1952 uh, IBT convention in Los Angeles where Beck was elected president with Tobin stepping down, and Beck appoints Hoffa as his national vice president, basically his second-in-command, right, right. which would guarantee that Hoffa would at some point become president of the Teamsters. Okay, So the IBT would move their headquarters from Indianapolis, Indiana, to Washington, D.C., taking over a big office building in the Capitol in 1955. Okay, we're backtracking a little bit. Uh, the staff was, meanwhile, enlarged. Uh, <laughs> why are you laughing at it? Why are you laughing at it enlarged? 
Motherfucker, that was the words I put in there. The staff was in Lord. How are you making a dick joke right now? How dare you make a penis joke with my word choosing? I'm sorry. This fucking show's going off the rails already. I should have just phoned it in from home. I wanted to be here so I could look in your eyes while he's doing this so we could talk about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. This staff was enlarged, folks. You made a penis joke. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, you know. Okay, where the fuck am I? Uh, staff enlargement. <laughs> maybe they took one of them fucking blue chew pills, huh? Yeah, maybe. It's like a it's like a chewable penis enlargement pill. Wow. It's a hard on pill. Hard on pill. Shout out bluechew.com. Blue Chew, you should sponsor our show. <laughs> Kurt's 53 years of age. 50, 51. 51. Kurt, Kurt knows now. about Blue Chew. Easy now. <laughs> what? Kaiser Steel here. Ting, ting, ting. Kitty can't scratch it. Ding, 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 ding. Wow, dude. <laughs> We've lost ting, every ting, fucking ting, spot. Ting. What's that sound? And ting, Dutch ting, said the C word last time. I, I wasn't even worried about that. <laughs> I was talking about hashtag tits, and he said, I asked my grandma what cunt was one time. <laughs> You can't say it. Well, I guess I just did, too. Uh-huh. Fuck it. Uh, okay. So the whole point of me telling you this, you idiot, is because Hoffman was spending more time in Detroit, in Washington uh, away from Detroit and more time to plot how to stab Beck in the back to uh-huh. take control of the Teamsters. He's got the muscle. Hoffa also went out and got him a personal lawyer named Bill... Buffalino. That sounds like a lawyer. Buffalino. I want you to say it one more time. Bill Buffalino. I want you to remember Buffalino. the name Buffalino. Sounds Because this is going to be attached to Puffa years later. Really? I want you to remember the name Buffalino. Buffalino. Can you remember that for yes. me? Okay. Bill? Bill Buffalino. BB. BB. So you remember I said a few minutes ago. <laughs> Excuse me. Damn it. We are just not professional at all tonight. Stop it. Uh, you, shit. It's like trying to teach my kids how to play cards. It's like, stop it. Listen to me. We, have, we haven't seen each other in two weeks. It's like playing cards with my brother's kids. Yeah, it was fucking... Exactly. Tombstone. Yes. Nerve-wracking sons, sons of bitches. bitches like playing cards with my brother's kids. kids. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, Val movie. Kilmer, man. Tombstone, Doc Holliday. Yeah. Val Kilmer is Jim Morrison in the doors. Go. Looks like somebody just walked across your grave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny Ringo. Yeah, that's a good movie, dude. I'm, okay. Yeah, all right. So you remember I said Beck was going through some shit. Right. Hoffa viewed Beck as a simpleton and extremely weak to be run the Teamster. So he began to publicly and privately challenge him and throw him under the bus, making him seem inadequate or underqualified to do his job. Oh, you won't laugh at inadequate. But <laughs> I mean you laughing in large, but you hear the term inadequate penis or inadequate. you won't even you I don't get hey, nothing out of you down. inadequate. I was thinking about something else, I had to be honest with you. Okay. All right. I should have caught that. God. <laughs> so, um, he started doing this in, in 55. And Hoffa was hell-bent that come 1957 Teamsters elections, no matter if Beck had to just quietly 
go on a vacation. What? Dun, dun, dun. Dun. That uh, Beck would not be in control of the Teamsters anymore. Once again, he's got the muscle. Yes. Nobody really understands it at the time. Right. right. It's kind of in the background a little bit, or so they think, but right. Big Brother's always watching. Yes. Uh, Hoffa's going to be like, I'm going to get it. So what's going on here is as we're hitting in 1957, Hoffa disappeared in 75. Okay. So 57, 75, it we are 18, 18 years. years. Right. History is fixing to start being made for the future. Right. Right here. Uh, hell's fixing to be raised. So what am I talking about here? Well, we're still in this whole Teamster story, but now we got to talk a little bit about the Kennedy family. I knew you. This all is going to tie in. Okay. But before that, since we're just—I mean, we gotta—we gotta have have some sort of professionalism. (laughs) We need to pay a bill. (laughs) Got to keep this show focused. Focused. Because we are a bunch of idiots. We are not very focused. Focused. All right, here we go. Did you say fuck us or focus? Focus. A 1999 Ford Fox. So, guys, check out Glary Guitars. Check them out at glarymusic.com. Check them out on Facebook. They have a very responsive uh, social media crew. Uh, give them a call at 1 606 404 6286. That's 1 606 404 6286. Glary Guitars, affordable. Reasonable instruments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good quality. Good quality. I've raved about them. You guys know all about them. Uh, Kurt loves mine. Call him. Call him. I'm covering my mouth so you don't shake the table again. At least it ain't coming out the other end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, two United States congressional investigations would soon start to ramp up. As we approach the end of the 50s, beginning of the 60s, federal indictments for crime, fraud, and strict new federal regulations and policies regarding labor unions would soon come into play as well. Even starting to boost the career for Robert F. Kennedy, this would all play together. The old Kennedy family, the all-American family, right? Yep, for sure. Okay. Believing he needed additional votes to guarantee he would unseat Beck in the late upcoming Teamsters Union. Uh, Hoffa required the services of mobster Johnny Dio in New York City and the two men created several... Johnny Dio? Johnny Dio. You gotta be shitting me. Johnny Dio. Dio. That sounds... That sounds gangster shit. It sounds gangster shit, right? Johnny Dio. Johnny Dio. So uh, they pull a hoot nanny and a hoota and a hootie. <laughs> they played a hoota doody who here and some <laughs> fake some ballots and just all this shit and uh, you know oh, Lord, Lord, they uh, they created fake papers to apply for fake charters from the international union and the teamsters. Basically, Hoff is just. Fuck it. I'm not even going to be an right. honest player anymore. Right. I'm going to take control. Right. Let's make no mistake about this. What happened to Hoffa's bad. Jimmy Hoffa was good as far as caring about the working people. Right. But when it come to fellow members of management and white suits, Jimmy Hoffa was a dirty son of a bitch. So, Cutthroat. Yeah. Let's, let's get this out of there right away. Yeah. Uh, so a major battle within the Teamsters broke out whether to charter the locals and the media attention then would lead to the United States DOJ, the Department of Justice, and Senate committees 
uh, getting involved and to say, what's going on over here? We're seeing a whole lot of money moving this way, some money moving this way. Some people are crying foul over here. Some people are crying cheating. Let's just, uh, if you guys can't play like grown-ups, we'll just let old Uncle Dad Senate get in over here. And right. So now the floodgates are opened up. And this allows the United States Senate to establish the Select Committee on Improper Activities in Labor and Management, chaired by Senator John L. McClellan, which would come to be known as the McClellan Committee. Ah. Hop in your Google machines if you're a history nerd like me. Good I, labor etiquette. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt's not going to read that much. No, I can't but, read uh, that much. Huh? Uh, the McClellan Committee, that's some good shit. And uh, the committee... Uh, the chief counsel and investigator of the committee, Robert F. Kennedy. Kennedy. Huh. JFK's brother. Wow. So the committee would uncover widespread corruption in the Teamsters Union. Dave Beck fled the country for a wow. month to avoid. He left for a month. He got back. He left for a month to avoid subpoenas before returning. Uh, several of the paper locals that were meant to be that were not even legit charters were dissolved to avoid uh, committee scrutiny. Uh, several Teamster staffers were charged with contempt of court, contempt of Congress. Union records were lost or destroyed. Wiretaps were being played uh. in public on national television, uh, in which the wiretaps Dio and Hoffa discussed the creation of even more fakes. So evidence is starting to come out. Uh, abounding with uh, hey there's a lot of crooked shit going on here all the while Hoffa's still in front of the camera smiling grinning like a chessier cat because he knows the American people still love him and they do right Jimmy Hoffa could have Jimmy Hoffa could have punched an infant in the face in 1960 (laughs) and they would have kissed him and thanked him for it was he kind of like the Robin Hood of the labor not that but he was he was as famous as anybody in Hollywood at the time like Hoffa like that's why, you know, we'll Jimmy. get to some good... Jimmy Hoffa. Just, uh... Riddle. James, James Riddle, Riddle Hoffa. Hoffa. Okay. So, in March of 57, Jimmy Hoffa was arrested for allegedly trying to bribe Senate aides. Okay? So, he denied the charges, but the arrests would trigger additional investigations and more arrests, and indictments would f- come over the following weeks. A week later... Dave Beck, who at the time is still currently president of the Teamsters, admitted to receiving an interest three, three hundred thousand dollar loan from the Teamsters, which he never repaid. That's about three million dollars today. That's a lot of scratch. That's a lot of scratch. I love when you say that because I always put that in there just so you say that. Uh, the Senate investigators claimed that the loans to Beck and other union officials in their business was bullshit because it had cost the union more than seven hundred thousand. About seven point one million. That's a lot of scratch. Okay, Beck would appear before the the McClellan Committee for the first time on March twenty fifth, nineteen fifty seven, and would invoke his Fifth Amendment right. Kurt, what's the Fifth Amendment? I don't know. I plead. Oh yes, I plead the Fifth. Oh, plead the Fifth. Yeah. Okay. In front of this committee, he pled the Fifth on hundred and seventeen different occasions. If you're saying I plead the Fifth. 117 different times. I don't care if you're Jesus Christ sitting on the stand. I don't care if you're Mother Teresa. If you're saying it 117 times, right? You got something to hide. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. G. Yes. So the McClellan committee would then turn its 
focus to Hoffa because they're like, okay, we're getting nothing out of back right now. Let's uh, focus on let's focus on the golden boy over here that's all nice and shiny in the public eye. Right. I love how you watched my hand when yeah. I threw it up there. I, threw, I, I thought so you showed I, me something. So when, when, I, when I told that to Kurt, when I, when I just said I'm like, the gold boy, <laughs> it's a sleight of hand. While something's going on over here, hands, it's always folks. watching over here. I literally took my right hand <sighs> and hit it and was just squeezing my palm. <laughs> Look like he's playing with a booby. <laughs> Squeezing a stress ball. I was watching. Squeeze them. <laughs> you like magic? Oh yeah. Slide a hand, right? Slide a hand. Yeah. While some, while you're watching over here. Yeah. Something's going on over here. Wait a minute. Why what's going on over here? <laughs> Is that the chair you sit naked in with your Cheetos? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they listen to us? I don't know. Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, somebody does for some reason. <laughs> Naked Cheetos. Got Cheetos. It's Ron White. That tell everybody that's yeah, why it's the Ron, it's White, Ron White joke. Yeah, Ron White joke. Are you sitting naked in a bing bag chair eating Cheetos? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite Kirk Kelly story. What are you doing? I passed out in the chair the other night playing PlayStation. Had the remote on my chest when I woke up. I'm like, was you naked with Cheetos too? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I got an idea. How Cause, about you? Cause, uh, not, I even say it. How about you run the show? No. You take the keyboard and you run. No. It. No. No. I put a lot of work into this over I two know. weeks. Well, we about to have fun while we're doing it. Eh? While we're doing it. What did that didn't sound right? Oh boy. I think. Uh-huh. You remember that movie? Uh, me and my mom watched it a million times. It was one of her favorite. Best little whorehouse in Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need to go down there? Uh, maybe. I mean, you, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I mean, yeah. You I made mean, a lot of references tonight. I mean, maybe. You uh, little, uh, feeling a little blue, bro? Uh, no. <laughs> I just made him blush. His face right there, like he couldn't believe I said that. Uh, well, Dutch, cro- Dutch, a little blue, huh? Dutch said the, Dutch said the C word. word last so far. Okay. I guess we have no boundaries. Kirk Kelly has blue balls, folks. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm uh, done. Show's over. I'm show's done. Over. <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa the blue balls. How the hell did we get here? Maybe that's how he died, too. I don't know. Oh, God. They might have been black and blue. Well, yeah, they- no shit. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. Uh, I don't even... <laughs> Hey. Uh, let me just try to gather myself here. Let's. Uh, you, need, you need to take a break. You want to take a break? No, no. no. Lucky to go out. No. Okay. Good. God, if I smoked weed. If, if I smoked weed. Uh huh. So uh, several legal developments, <laughs> which I can't even talk about laughing. <laughs> Got him. <sighs> All right, straighten up. I'm thinking about Kirk Kelly's blue balls right now. You guys straighten up out there. I see you guys. Okay. All right, here we go. So uh, there'd be a lot of legal developments that would come out of this. Uh, man, I move my hands when I talk. Don't you I? do, and I've got to watch for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm telling the story versus yes. reading the story. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, if you go back and watch the video from uh, the Facebook Live with After Two Beers, I think me and you were, I was doing that more than you was. I was just sitting there going, a deer in the headlights, you know. <sighs> you liked that professional studio being in it, didn't you? Pretty nice. Yeah. 
I turn away from the mic every well, time. We're currently experiencing tremors here in uh, southern Indiana. Alfordsville. <laughs> I better not say that we'll be posted everywhere. <laughs> huh. I ain't that many people listening. No, I don't think so. Hey, California, if you're listening, we want to know who you are. <laughs> right? Whoa. What? I said, California, we want to know who so, you are. So, yeah. Uh, we got we picked up a couple downloads from Australia this week too. I all might. Australia. Yeah, some feedback. And uh, we're picking up downloads again in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Our uh, lines, huh? our top downloads now, uh, all time, have come out of Indiana, Ohio, California, California, Pittsburgh, or not uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Go Steelers, uh, Maryland. Russia and France. Damn. We. The Russia thing's got to be a bot thing. I don't know. But our top eight downloads, two of them are international Russia and France. But okay. All right. All right. Back to Hoffa. Where the fuck is he? People are wanting to know where he is, and we're still talking about Teamster stuff. But we have to. We 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 really have to. We got to build a story here. We really have to. So basically, this this whole thing is going on with these lawsuits and these. Pop quiz. These. Yeah, so the McClellan committee is um, taking over a bunch. They're they're out to get Hoffa. They're out to get the Teamsters, and uh, eventually Dave Beck decides, you know what, my goose is probably going to be cooked. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and retire. I'm going to bow out. So Jimmy gets elected president of the Teamsters. Uh, immediately after his testimony in March 1957. Dave Beck would win approval from the union executive board to establish a million-dollar fund to defend himself and unions from the committee's allegation. Okay, basically, he goes before the Teamsters, and uh, they're like, sure, you can take our money right out of here that we have to defend yourself. And, you know, if anybody else needs to defend you, but make sure you take care of yourself first. (laughs) So that million dollars, okay? That's about $10 million today. Scratch. Scratch. Lots of it. You know what I put in my notes? What's that? Right here in my notes. And uh, <laughs> if I'm lying, may God strike me dead right now. It says, since I'm a money guy, that $1 million is roughly ten point one in 2022. As Kurt says, that's a lot that's of scratch, scratch, right? That's right. So <laughs> I put it in there. Right that's on. like I knew you right were going to say it. Right on. It is a lot of scratch. Okay. But now people inside the Teamsters Union were outraged. Uh, at the amount of money that was taken out, which, I mean, if $10 million was being taken out to defend you, and right, you know, I probably would be upset too. <laughs> but Dave Beck, even though he's he's uh, retired from the teams, Beck's not out of hot water. And Hoffa's over here being the golden boy. Hoffa's about to get his goose cooked too here. Uh, so Beck's support would vanish, even though he wasn't part of the – the Teamsters anymore. He still had friends. Like, his support's gone. And the Teamsters com- cracked down. We're not giving you any more money. So, uh, the McClellan Committee gets involved again. Uh, Beck gets called to testify before them again in May of 57. And additional interest-free loans and other illegal and unethical as fuck financial transactions are exposed Including paying for call girls Yee-hoo. and uh, all sorts of other things. Which I and, need right uh, now, evidently. 
Beck is indicted for tax evasion. So his legal troubles, you know, had led him to retire, as what we'd said, uh, and Hoffa would win the union presidency. Uh, let me skip ahead here. Technical difficulties. One time. <laughs> Don't. It's one time. You're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> so basically, you know, Beck resigns. Hoffa takes over. Uh, a federal district court would bar Jimmy Hoffa, though, from taking power unless he was acquitted in his federal wiretapping trial, which we talked about mm-hmm. earlier with Johnny Dio, right? The ruling was upheld by the Court of Appeals, but the trial ended in a hung jury. What did you look at me for funny for? You said <laughs> Tell everybody what I just did. I just dropped my head. Yeah, you just dropped his head. Folks. The reason this is funny is because we were, we were in Richmond. <laughs> after two beers, wanted to record in three <laughs> takes on their show. So after the second take... We went downstairs, and Kurt was smoking a cigarette, and this was before I found out I could vape in the building, so I went out to hit my vape, and Kurt looks at me, and he goes, are, are we really going to record another one? I said, yeah. He goes, well, are you going to get your equipment out of the car? I said, no, they told me we could use their equipment. Kurt goes, well, I'm not prepared. Do you got anything? I said, no, I don't have anything. No, Kurt goes, well, what are we going to talk about? And I looked at Kurt, and he had a cigarette in his mouth, and I said, well, what's the one thing I don't need and any I notes for? Kurt dropped goes, my head. Kurt dropped his head just like I did just now when he looked when he said hung jury, but Kurt went fuck, fuck, just hung his head because he knew he was in for wrestling, <laughs> wrestling, but, wrestling. Uh, Dutch would say wrestling, 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 wrestling. Some wrestling. Oh man, I had a great time. Yes. So hung jury, hung jury, hung jury, which sounds is, like a porno. <laughs> which uh, hung jury is what? Uh. Can't reach a right, uh, unanimous right, verdict. Right. So the trial would end in December 19th of 1957. So since there's no verdict, Hoffa would assume presidency and control of the Teamsters beginning on February 1st of 1958. So the man's finally in power. So now um, there, there's, a, uh, there's an organization called the AFL-CIO. It's the American Federation of Labor and the Congress of International Industrial Organizations. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, union in the entire country at the time. Uh, the vice president of that union uh, was a guy who wanted to start shit with the Teamsters all the time. This guy wanted Hoffa completely away from teamsters this guy said hoffa doesn't need to be in control of any union organization he's making people like me look corrupt uh hoffa's a he's a gangster he's hanging with gangsters stirring the shit yeah basically what Um, happens when you stir shit right right so uh the president of this organization george meany gave an emotional speech advocating for the removal of the teamsters and stating that he could only agree to further the affiliation of the Teamsters, basically these two organizations would not work together hand-in-hand unless Hoffa would be dismissed as their president. So president of this union over here, George Meany, demanded Hoffa. Yeah, Meany. Big Meany. (laughs) He demanded Hoffa step down, and Hoffa, who was just freshly in charge a couple months, said, eh, we'll see. Kiss my ass. (laughs) He's got muscle. Uh, Well, he's Hoffa's got some balls on him. 
at the time they were bringing in, and I didn't do the math on this one, so uh, you know, screw it, whatever it is. Uh, it's several million, but at the time in '57, the IBT being affiliated with this other union was bringing them in three quarters of a million dollars, seven hundred fifty G's. So you're talking several millions right, today. Right. Uh, following his reelection as uh, president in 61 so we're going to jump ahead here Hoffa's been in control of the Teamsters for about four or five years now because they serve five year terms Hoffa worked to expand the union and in 1964 Hoffa succeeded in bringing virtually all the over the road truck drivers and warehouse workers together under the National Master Freight Agreement which is something that's still in play today right. you, you laughed when I said master you freight. laughed well you said freight right after you <clears throat> Uh, uh, man, what is with you? <laughs> I don't know. Good God. Uh, Let's say it's an aphrodisiac. Or something. I don't know. Who knew Hoffa would get Kirk Kelly so turned on? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know where the fuck he's at. We're getting there. We're getting ready to wrap it up Nobody soon. Knows. Nobody knows, though. No. We're. I got to lace the story. Okay. What would it do if I got in here and just for 30 minutes, we'd have a 30-minute episode, like, hey, Hoffa's dead. Uh, we don't know where he he's, he's dead. Fl- they, they sank him out near the Bermuda Triangle. Ah. I mean, how fun would that be? That would be very fun. They didn't sink him in the Bermuda no. Triangle. No, Boy, he, wouldn't that be fitting? Wouldn't that be wouldn't fitting? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, no Where did Hoffa go? Well, uh, they sank him in the Bermuda Triangle of all places. Yeah. Huh. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, all right, yeah. Right. <laughs> just where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? <laughs> so I'm looking here. Um, so there's not really much to say here. Uh, we as we're in the 60s now. Uh, Hoffa gets reelected to a third term as president. Oh, he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, right? he, he is. Right, and that's that's one thing I want to say. Um, you know, I I spoke to my uh, grandmother uh, about this recently. Well. Actually, no, I didn't. I just told her I was going to be talking about Jimmy Hoffa on the podcast. And she goes, what's a podcast? Uh, <laughs> but my, my grandfather, who passed away last uh, a, a year ago this month, my grandfather, uh, he had spent some time as a truck driver. He always, when I had asked about Hoffa growing up, he spoke highly of Hoffa. And one thing we want to get out is that uh, there's no gray with Jimmy Hoffa. Right, right. It's either black or white. Right, People right. either loved him or they hated, hated him. Right. But from what I can tell, to the majority of blue-collar working American people, Hoffa was like the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread. Right. We well, put food on your table. Or, uh, you know, you know, clothes on your back. Yeah. Uh, to other people in management positions and in business, uh, he was a ruthless cutthroat savage. Right. Uh, he was intimidating, <laughs> scary. Right. You do look at that son of a bitch's face. He yeah, does look like yeah. he, you know. James Riddle. James Riddle. Riddle. Of Riddle. All Hoffa. Hoffa. Riddle. I mean, it's got a intimidating ring to it. Like Johnny Dio. Like, that man was chosen by God to die yeah. for something. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hoffa gets elected to a third term. And uh, he does something here. Or help, he approves something here. Who... Uh, how should I say this? Hoffa approves an election as his vice president. This would ultimately be another one of his undoings because he he uh, appointed a man uh, at this 
conference in the 60s down in Miami where they had their annual, you know, their meetings and, and elections. They appointed a guy named Frank Fitzsimmons. I smell Frankie. a rat. Frankie was a pro Hoffa guy. Frankie was um, Frankie was a, a Hoffa clone. Uh, he would do everything he did. But the problem is, as, as we will later find out, after Hoffa goes to prison, um, the mob gets extremely comfortable in there because although he Fritz, uh, Fitzsimmons is a pro Hoffa guy, he uh, is much more of a pushover than Jimmy. Oh. So they can pull a lot more bait and switch right, on him. Right. And then, you know, obviously the reason Hoffa is gone, one of the biggest reasons is they wanted to keep Fitzsimmons in power because he would just bend over and just, you know, let him put it in there, no Vaseline all, uh, all day dock. long. Dry dock. Yeah. So Ooh. Hoffa put him in place because if Hoffa had to serve jail term, he was pretty sure he could come in and then uh, when he's ready to come back, you know, this right. guy would step down. Okay. Uh, so what are we looking at here? We're in the mid-60s. So basically this is just talking about how uh, – the mafia has been involved with so much of the Teensters things going on. Uh, the w- Hoffa basically ended up giving the mob, the American mafia, a blank check. Now we're gonna we are gonna do an episode down the road, or I'd like to, on the American mafia. Right. There's five families in the American mafia that are all ran out of New York. And, you know the Lachese, the Genovese. Uh, the Gambino, the Ouija's, the Clumpos, the, uh, yeah, I can't think of the other one. But anyways. Uh, better watch out. Somebody's going to part your eyebrow. Oh, right. shit, son. I ain't got, I ain't worried about it. I know. Uh, Fuck what doesn't say. There ain't no mob that. anymore these days. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. We'll see you sleeping with the fishies. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, I don't think Hoffa realized when he was getting involved with the mafia and especially when he became president and he had affiliated with them even more, he's essentially given the American Mafia a blank check. Because the Teamsters, you got to think about how many members is in there and what they're involved in. The Teamsters is a very wealthy organization. Right, right. And if you're getting access to their pension funds and you're going as a blank check to get what you want, this goes, this starts to fund. Big ventures for the mob out in Vegas. Because the 50s and 60s, <laughs> right, Vegas starts right, to blow right. up. It starts to grow. You're getting all these hotels and, and casinos. Uh, I'm Caesars in. Palace being one of them. Yeah. ACDC. Yes. Yeah. So the pension fund also made several loans to associates and relatives of high-ranking uh, Teamsters officials as well. A close associate of Jimmy Hoffa during this period was a guy named Alan Dorfman. The reason I tell you this is because Dorfman owned an insurance agency that provided insurance claims processing to the Teamsters Union and would later to be find out um, fal- uh, falsified insurance claims. Hmm. So everybody, everybody in there is about getting their nut, man. Just yeah. getting there. Screw everybody else. Yep. Huh. Kennedy's in there. JFK's little brother. Or his big brother. I think it's his little brother. Little brother. And they're just taking shit down. You know, he's Big Daddy Dick here. <laughs> okay. Now, you've heard me for an hour now. Well, 45 minutes of this hour, we've talked about Teamsters. Teamsters. We're about ready to wrap up the Teamsters. Okay. 
but I got a little bit more All right. to set the story, if you'll let me. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, go, go for it. Okay. I'll try to behave. Okay. So now, some of this, because of where I type the notes in, some of this is going to tie back and jump forward. Like, right. just, just roll with just me, Just hop kid. in your machine, okay. your time machine. Hop in, our, hop in our time machines, guys. Yep, there we go. So, Hoffa had first faced huge criminal investigations back in 57, like we talked about. Huge. Huge. Right, right. Huge. Yeah. I follow you. Think like the locker room right. of the Cleveland Browns. Huge. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Huge. Uh, back in 57 with, with this whole part of the McClellan committee. Uh, he was arrested for trying to bribe. Da, 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 da. John F. Kennedy was elected president in 60. That's when he appointed his younger brother, Robert, as attorney general. Robert Kennedy, of course, was, you know, the on the uh, McClellan committee and eventually by the late the early 60s he was on a uh, they called it a get hoffa squad oh yeah so you get in your google machine and just type uh robert f kennedy get hoffa it was an actual committee it was well wow. i mean it wasn't it, it was part of the McClellan committee but Golly. it was kind of like an under the table organization right wonder who did him in they were <laughs> the get you got to be shitting me the get hoffa the but Get Hoffa Committee. Committee. Yeah. And we wonder where he went. <laughs> oh, I, I figured that. Uh, I figured you'd have something to say about that. There, there, there's a theory. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay. You're I mean, having a lot of fun with oh, this. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. I was worried you were going to think this no, episode no, no. sucked. No, 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 no. Because there's a lot of backstory, well, but I have to have it. That's a pretty interesting point right there okay. you brought up. Yeah. Okay. In May of 63. Committee. In May of 63, Jimmy Hoffa gets indicted for jury tampering in Tennessee, charged with attempted bribery of a grand jury. During his 1962 conspiracy trial in Nashville, he gets in a deep load of shit over this. He's convicted on March 4th, 1964, and they sentence him to eight years in prison and a $10,000 fine, which is about 90 grand today. Not a whole lot of scratch, but more scratch than we'll see. Oh, yeah, right, right. Okay. While on bail during his appeal, Hoffa gets convicted in a second trial held back in Chicago on July 26, 1964. He gets convicted on one count of conspiracy and three counts of mail and wire fraud for improper use of Teamsters pension funds and sentenced to five years in prison. So now he's looking at 13 years in prison. Right. Hoffa spends the next three years unsuccessfully appealing the convictions that were lobbied against him in 1964. His uh, appeals were filed by his chief counsel, uh, a St. Louis defense attorney named Morris Schenker. 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 Jewish. Sounds it. Yeah. Oh, you can tell by looking yeah. at it. Yeah. Uh, they reached the U.S. Supreme Court. That's nothing. I'm just, he's, he's of Jewish ethnicity. That's yeah. why, because Kurt looked at me as Schenker. Yeah. Uh, so he serves his prison. Uh, or starts serving his time uh, on March 7, 1967, at Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary in Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. When Hoffa entered prison, Frank Fitzsimmons, oh, Frankie boy, he's named acting president of the union. And Hoffa planned to run the union from prison through (laughs) Fitzsimmons. Like El Chapo, huh? Yeah, and although Fitzsimmons was a Hoffa loyalist and a fellow Detroit resident, longtime member of the T-99, he owed everything he had to Hoffa. Uh, Despite this, Fitzsimmons... Now, there's no there's no proving that this come from the mafia. This was just, uh, I got a big dick between my legs now. I'm in charge. It pretty much fits him. It's like, 
Yeah, you're in a federal prison. I shouldn't be talking to you. Uh, this is my show now. Ah. I'll see you when you get out, Jimmy. Click. Click. Hoff is like, uh, uh, bitch, you better not. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> I wish I had an oh, no, he, he didn't. didn't. But yeah, no doubt. That is literally basically what happened in not so many words. Fitzsimmons is like, Jimmy's in federal prison. If I touch this, I'm going to go be right in there with him. That ain't happening. And uh, by the way, I am acting president, so I am in charge. And uh, we're doing this my way. So Hoffa is pissed. Well, yeah. Hoffa is. He put that guy in charge thinking that. Yeah, thinking that he was going to. And then when when he got out, Fitzsimmons would just resign and Hoffa take it. Jimmy's pissed. Like blowing a gasket. We're talking DEFCON 5 level shit (laughs) in prison. Right. Okay. So. Uh, let's see. Fitzsimmons then would also lose a little bit of power as he would be immersed into the American mafia culture. Basically, what I think happened there is uh, they scared the shit out right. of him. They and said, he, we're going to do it this way. And he frightened more than what Hoffa did. Right. So essentially at this point, even though you've got a president, I'll never, in my opinion, I'll go to my grave saying this, by this point when Hoffa goes to prison... The mafia is now running the right, Teamsters organization. Absolutely. Okay. So while Wise still in guys. prison and trying to control shit and getting nowhere because Fitzsimmons won't even take his calls, Jimmy Hoffa on June 19, 1971, resigns as Teamsters president. And Fitzsimmons is officially elected president, not just appointed in 71. So now uh, that's that's pretty much it for the backstory of the Teamsters. So we made it. Yes. Okay. Right on. So, but I, I, we got some more pieces that'll tie in, but later. The whole purpose of this. I mean, I'm hung up on the Get Hoffa Committee. It, it's basically what it was, yeah. It, I mean. Uh, well, I wonder what the Louisiana Sheriff went to. No. Boy, getting lost in the Louisiana Bayou. About 45 miles. He used to Tippado, Louisiana. Tippado. Tippado, yes. Oh, Doc Millsap and a pretty wife. I don't know. Better way to put son that could eat up his weight in groceries. You sure they're not talking about me? <laughs> Named him after a man of the cloth. Called him Amos Moses. Come on, Amos. <laughs> now you got that stuck in my head. <laughs> That's going to be our new show opening. <laughs> what I tell you when I pulled in, I said, we're gonna the next yeah. time we change it, we're going to go Turbo Lover by Judas Priest. <laughs> And now you want me? Now I'm thinking about the start of Amos. I bet you could play that on your guitar. Uh, no, maybe if I heard practice. Okay, so uh, the whole purpose of this McClellan committee was about fraud and organized crime and uh, everything. The Teamsters had direct ties under the table in some respects, but some not so secret. With the American Mafia. Pension loans helping the Mafia start to take over Vegas. Uh, personal loans. Anything they wanted. The the Teamsters essentially were a blank check for the American Mafia. That's been established. So, but what you need to understand here is that this isn't all Hoffa's fault. No. The Teamsters was formed in like 1903 or whatever I said, 1907. They've had problems with corruption and the mob. Going back to Chicago and Al Capone days. So there's always been some shit going on. Right. Uh, now, we're like 10 minutes away from meeting taters. You know, I can just see you getting excited. Salivating. 
But uh, so we've already had uh, our appetizer. Yes. We just need to have a glass of white Ziffendale. We need to have a little glass of wine before our meat and taters. Ziffendale or a beer? How about either one? I'm trying Cold to sound beer. sophisticated. Cold, Cold beer? beer. Okay. I want to talk about what happened after Hoffa was released from prison. Okay. Because he's released from prison, and then we've got a two, three year span before he goes missing. Four year span. Uh, so he would have been a little less than four years in prison. No. No, I don't think so. Because Hoffa was still protected on the inside right. a little bit. So, uh, well, at least for a while. He right. starts feuding with the mafia in prison. We're going to get to that. Okay. That's probably another, that's another big part of his undoing. Him and right. uh, Jimmy basically told the mafia under no certain terms to uh, not politically safe, cover your ears. Uh, Hoffa basically turned the, uh, the mob in some aspects in prison to suck his dick, basically. Uh, uh, Which... Uh, I mean, you could say that to anybody you want, but I don't know if I'd say it to the mafia. It'd be part your hair for you, you know what I mean? And not so many words, which we'll get to that. So December 23rd, 1971, he's he's a little less than five years into his sentence. Hoffa gets his sentence commuted for time served. He's released from president, uh, prison thanks to President Richard Nixon. Yeah, tricky dick. Tricky dick. Yeah. I like Nixon. I do, too. I, I vote GOP. Leave me alone. I like Nixon. His hand was forced. <laughs> so as a result, though, Nixon Nixon's a smart guy, though. Nixon's uh, even you know, like I said, Nixon's part of part of the Republicans. Uh, Nixon's smart, though. Part of the of the uh, of the terms of release was that Jimmy couldn't run for any sort of labor organization leadership role until 1980. He had a 10-year ban on him. Okay. Jimmy's like, oh, thanks, Mr. President. <laughs> sure. In the back of Jimmy's <laughs> mind, he's like, fuck this. And yeah. you'll see within a span of six months, Jimmy's starting to scheme to get it taken away. Uh, Ezra Hoffa was awarded uh, almost $2 million in a lump sum termination benefit by the Teamsters when he resigned. I forgot to do the math on that. Uh, It'd be a lot of scratch. It's a lot of scratch, yeah. Uh, the temp, uh, Then something interesting happens. The uh, The Teamsters endorse Nixon, a Republican, who is in his re-election bid in 72, uh, which is funny because history would show that the Teamsters would typically support the Democrats. Okay, no big deal, right? We're all coming back around. As Hoffa regained his freedom, as I said, he was informed as conditions were released that he could not run for any labor, especially the Teamsters. You know, they might let something else go, but you right, ain't getting right. the Teamsters till the eighties. Right. Because if he'd run, he'd win. <laughs> right, right. The Guaranteed. people, the people, the people him. loved him. If right. he would, if he'd have come out and he would have ran, he would have won. So Hoffa lets it go for about a year and a half, and then by the time nineteen seventy three rolls around, Jimmy's like, um, "I'm tired of being told what to do." <laughs> So, Jimmy's starting to put to lay the foundation for him to run for Teamsters office again. Well, that's going to be a problem. Okay, so Hoffa sued the United States government to invalidate the restrictions on him so that he could regain his power over the Teamsters. Now, John Dean, not James Dean, John Dean, who was a former White House counsel to President Nixon was among those called on for depositions in the 1974 court proceedings. 
Dean had become famous as a government witness during the uh, Watergate scandals that happened in 73 with Nixon, okay? Uh, Hoffa lost his court battle since the court ruled that Nixon had acted within his powers by imposing a federal restriction on Jimmy because of his misconduct as a Teamsters official. Jimmy would face a lot of resistance in his reestablishment of power uh, from... So the uh, president actually pardoned Jimmy Hoffa. On certain Nixon. terms, right? Nixon okay. did. Okay. Yeah, Nixon got him out. Tell That's me, tell me he don't have pull. That's what I'm right, going to say. Right, right. Jimmy Hoffa is not an ordinary man. Right. Okay. So uh, Hoffa is starting to. Uh, well, like I said, the overwhelming public loved him. Loved him. Yeah, right. Uh, words starting to get out Jimmy, Jimmy. through the underground uh-huh. and the gangster scene. Uh-oh. That hey, old Jimmy is wanting to gain control of the Teamsters again. Huh. Meanwhile, old Frankie pushover Fitzsimmons over He's there taking it up the butt. It's taking it up the butt, dry. Yeah, the they're just pushing him over, yeah. and they like that. Uh, well, sure. Yeah. So although they all used to be schmitten with Jimmy, right? And of course, they find out about Jimmy's snafu in prison with some yeah. of the other mob guys. Yeah, they decided Jimmy's not Jimmy's not getting back in. All right? Huh. And in uh, 75, Jimmy Hoffa was working on an autobiography called Hoffa, The Real Story, which was published just a few months after his death or disappearance. The book is in reprint. It was just reprinted this year. So, there we go. We are, does this meet and taters or is this a little more yet? I guess and taters. Okay, I I still got a little bit for meat and taters, but I guess you could call this like a, a mini meat and taters. I like mini meat and taters. Right. Okay, <laughs> I like any meat and taters. Huh? I'm telling you, this episode was going to be per- it's a little bit long, but I mean, we're good. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. You're getting you're getting excited now, aren't you? Well, yeah, I like me some meat and taters. Obviously, who doesn't? Right. Right. <laughs> No earthquake this time. Uh, Hoffa's plans to regain leadership of the union were met with uh, opposition from a lot of the mafia. One of them in particular was Anthony Uh-oh. Tony Pro Provenzano. Oh, now, we're getting, now we're getting into the nicknames. Uh-huh. Anthony Provenzano uh-huh. called Tony Pro. Uh-huh. Now, Tony Pro had been a Teamsters local leader in New Jersey, Jersey, and then a national vice president of the union during Hoffa's second term as president. Provenzano and Hoffa had once been friends, Uh-oh. but they became enemies while in federal prison at Lewisburg in the 60s. Uh, in 73 and 74, Hoffa, and I'm telling you this so I can tell you this, we're going to go forward so we can go back. Okay. In 1973 and 1974, Jimmy Hoffa had the balls and the nerve. So if I'm saying it like this, you know Hoffa right. pissed him off. Right. Hoffa had the balls and the nerve to ask Tony Provenzano and said, his crew. Hey, hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony, you back me. You back me to run for office again, Tony. Uh, Mama me. He had the ball to at the the balls and the gall and the to ask for his support to regain position, 
Provenzano refused and threatened Hoffa, saying that he would pull his guts out, kidnap his grandchildren, and feed him to the fishes. Yikes. Now, Provenzano huh. was a capo regime, a capo, a capo. He's like one of the third or fourth in command. That's how it works in the American mafia. Uh, he was part of the Genovese family, crime family. Uh, it's long been argued that the Lucchesi and the Genovese were the two biggest crime families, and then John Gotti got involved with the right. Gambino family. Uh, but at least two of Provenzano's union opponents had been murdered and others who had people who had ever spoken out against Tony Pro had wound up assaulted or dead. Huh. So, okay, hang on. So, other mafia figures who became involved were uh, Anthony Tony Jack Jackaloni. Okay, <laughs> and uh, he's got a, he was a, a a real high ranking Detroit mafia official. He had a younger nother, uh, younger nother. He had a nutter butter, nutter butter. He had a younger brother named Vito Jack. Vito, there we go. So yeah, you're getting into this I now, like aren't you? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the all, the FBI is under the uh, belief to this day that these were these two men, uh, Anthony Jack, Tony Jack Maloney, and his brother Vito, were trying to mediate the differences between Hoffa and Provenzano. And again, I'll get to why there's differences needed to be mediated. Again, like I said, we jumped forward to tell you about right. this. So, uh, they met several times with Hoffa, trying to set up a peace meeting with Provenzano. Uh, at first, Provenzano wanted nothing to do with Hoffa. Hoffa wanted nothing to do. Uh, they were trying to set up a peace meeting. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa's son would later say his dad was becoming uh, increasingly afraid uh, of the Jack Loney brothers, even though he semi-trusted them. So, here we go. So, this, this beef between uh, Hoffa and Tony Pro Provenzano, uh, it started over money. Go figure. We're talking about right, the mafia. What? Right. Right? right. Okay. okay. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I think, I think you're actually interested this we time. We are interested. Okay. So this beef starts over money, because like, what else are gangsters going to fight about? It's, right. it's money right. or women, right? right. Okay. Bowley. Yeah. the the main <laughs> The main issue in this, the funniest thing ever, was that they're both serving time in federal prison in Pennsylvania. Tony gets word that Jimmy Hoffa and his family are still being paid and receiving pension funds from the Teamsters, while Provenzano and his family are not getting paid. Okay. Okay. So, tell me who would be upset by that. Right. I'd probably be a little pissed too. Yeah. Okay. We're the same organization. Why are they paying you and your family when we're locked up for basically the same shit and right. I'm not getting paid? Right. right. So, and that's exactly what witness accounts in in uh, Lewisburg Penitentiary said. Hoffa confronted him. Uh, Tony confronted Jimmy Hoffa about it, and he said. Uh, you know, why is your family better than mine? Blah, 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 blah. Why is my family not receiving compensation? Why are we not getting dick when you are? To which Hoffa calmly uh -oh. in front of a room full of inmates looks at Provenzano in the face, smiles and say, you know, it's because of irresponsible fucking pricks like you. I'm even in this place to begin with. Whoa! What? Yeah, you just seen her face. His balls are like way bigger than mine. <laughs> it's because of irresponsible fucking pricks like no you. I'm even in this place to begin with. Yeah. 
Which, in a way, yeah, he's right. Jimmy's kind of right. Right. You know, he shouldn't have gotten in bed with the mafia, but they were doing their bullshit. And right. So, holy. So who shit. really knows? Holy but I guarantee shit. you, this amped this shit up. Oh yeah, a hundredfold, dude. Oh God, right? Aye, aye, aye. So, uh, one last thing I want to cover real fast is uh, just uh, a little bit more of a prelude of sorts of, of what's going to happen here. Uh, and uh, we're going to go just uh, we're going to go with some dates here on this prelude. So, in 1972, he's already been released from prison. Right. Hoffa announces his intention of unseating Fitzsimmons and. Uh, the mob finds out about it, and uh, well, yeah, because there goes their blank check. Well, yeah, right. yeah, the mob, you know, because because not saying Jimmy wouldn't get back in bed with him again, right. but Jimmy's got to watch his ass yeah, so he don't go to jail. So, now, uh, so yeah, yeah, so he might still let them stick their hands in the teamster's pocket, but he's kind of going to be like, right. hey, you know, right, give me a reach around while you're doing it. At least <laughs> let me get something out of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so. Uh, Several people from the underworld get in touch with Jimmy. Like, hey, the mob says it's probably in your best interest to just go ahead and set this out, Jimmy. You had a good run, you know. You, oh hell no! He's getting warnings now. Right. Friendly advice. Uh, we shoot to the winter of 1974. Hoffa has his parole restrictions removed, and he embarks on a media blitz, campaigning that he's going to take back the Teamsters and blasting. The mafia and promising to rid the entire union rank and file of mob influence if and when he gets back in office. Okay, so, all right, you're giving me that look. So, summer of 1974, at the mob's urging, the Teamsters tap legendary labor union goof, dumbass, Roland Big Mac McMaster, oh boy, a Hoffa confidant. And his number one enforcer in their union to form an anti-Hoffa squad. What is up with people forming Hoffa squads? I, I, I don't know. It's, Robert F. Kennedy and now the mob. You got a get Hoffa squad. You got an anti-Hoffa squad. The whole poor Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. The whole purpose of this squad is to disrupt Hoffa's campaign. They're just out to make him look like a clown. For why setting it looks like he should never got involved with the mob. I mean, come on. I mean. But so here we go. We are. In it s- would have been nice to have a little bit of muscle. But in the spring of '75, Hoffa finally decides he puts out word that he would not be opposed to a squashing of the beef with Tony Pro, who Hoffa realizes he needs on his side for a successful Teamsters presidential bid the following year, being that Tony Pro was pretty much in control of all the votes on the East Coast. Hey, Tony. Well, I don't know what happened between the spring and the summer, but here we go. July 10th, 1975, the Detroit Teamsters executive, uh, Richard Fitzsimmons, not Frankie, his car is bombed in the parking lot of Nemo's Restaurant, a popular uh, 299 Teamsters bar. Uh, His dad was Frank Simmons. They ate inside at lunch. Rumors were abounded saying that Hoffa put out murder contracts on both Fitzsimmons and others. However, it was later speculated more probable that it was the work of the anti-Hoffer squad. The anti-Hoffer squad. Hoffer. Hoffer. 
to make it look like he was going completely nuts. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, here's here's where we get interested. So, Hoffa disappears on July 30th. So, okay. about three weeks before. It's rumored that somewhere between July 10th and July 12th of 75, the decision to kill Jimmy Hoffa is made, and the murder contract is signed off by many mafia bigwigs in Michigan, Illinois, New York, and Pennsylvania. Oh. Okay. July 12th through the 26th, Hoffa takes meetings with, uh, you know, the Jackaloni brothers, Tony Jack and Vito, uh, Capos, who were, you know, big time in Detroit. Uh, they agree to a set down on the afternoon of July 30th at a restaurant called the Moccas Red Fox in Bloomfield Township, which is a suburb of Detroit. Uh, and the last big thing that uh, a fully vetted FBI informant place Tony Jackaloni and Tony Pro and Roland McMaster all having dinner at a group house in uh, Detroit a late night hangout uh, with Provenzano claiming tomorrow is going to be a great day gentlemen. Now I couldn't fact check that personally so I don't know but this was supposed to be the day before Hoffa disappears. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take a break because I have to go pay my water bill. I have to pee. And then we're going right. to get into meat and taters about how Hoffa disappears. And then we're going to get into what you want to talk about. Where the fuck is Jimmy Where Hoffa? Where is he? What theories are good? What theories are bad? Yeah. So we're going to take a break. Yep. Probably I'll let luck out. Yep. I'm going to stuff my face with a piece of pizza. Right on. Okay. Yep. We'll be back. And we're back. Magic. Little uh, magic. So meat and taters. Yes. So you're ready? Yeah. Is it gravy too? Oh, there's good. The, the gravy will be all the theories. Hey, there you go. So, there you go. Right on. Give let me, me some. Let me uh, that. Let me let me get a little, little, little wet the palate here. Yeah, a little bit right. of water, and right. then uh, because we my got mouth, a lot. My mouth's dry too. Huh? You got you got a little soda. My mouth's real dry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why. Huh. Wonder. Huh. Well, hmm. You know. Must be thirsty. Huh. But I'm all right. Okay. Here we go. All right, here we go. Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa. So Jimmy Hoffa disappeared. Uh, damn it. Damn it. So Jimmy Hoffa disappeared July 30th, 1975. He had gone out in the meeting uh, with Tony Provenzano and Anthony, Tony Jack, Jack uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anthony uh-huh. and Anthony, right? Uh-huh. The meeting was due to take place at 2 p.m. at the Moccas Red Fox Restaurant in Bloomfield Township, which is a Detroit suburb. I've told you this. Right. So, the place was known to Hoffa as it had been the site of the wedding reception for his son. So, this is this is a well-visited place. Yeah, okay. This is the type of place where you don't get in unless you're right. in a suit. Right. Suit and tie. Right. Okay, this is high dollar shit. And this meeting was supposed to go down because <clears throat> in the days following Hoffa's disappearance... In his calendar at home, he had the note 2G or TG 2 p.m. Red Fox, which meant Tony Jackaloni. Now, Hoffa would leave his home at 1.15 that afternoon. Before heading to the restaurant, he stopped by the office of his friend, Louis Lintel, who was a former president of the Teamsters 614 local and who now ran a limousine service. 
These two men had been enemies earlier in their life and careers, but they eventually had become close friends. When Hoffa left prison, Lentau had become Hoffa's unofficial uh, secretary and had arranged a dinner meeting between Hoffa and the Jackaloni brothers on July 26, which is when they informed him of the July 30 sit-down with Tony Pro. Lentau was out to lunch when Hoffa stopped by, and so Hoffa talked to some of the staff and left a message for Lentau before he left for the Red Fox. Now, between 2.15 and 2.30 that afternoon, a very pissed-off Jimmy Hoffa called his wife from a payphone uh, in front of the hardware store, which is directly behind the Red Fox restaurant, complaining that Jackaloni had shown had not shown up and it stood him up. One thing about Jimmy Hoffa, if you listen, the one thing he hated more than anything was people being late. Right. Tardiness. Tardiness. Yeah. He did not stand for tardiness. You better be prompt. You better yeah. be prompt. If you're on time, you're five minutes late. Right, right. So uh, he, his wife told him she had not heard from anyone so he told her he'd be home by 4 p.m. to start grilling supper that night. Now, several witnesses had saw Hoffa standing by his car, pacing the restaurant parking lot, very agitated. In fact, two men approached Hoffa, recognized him, and they stopped and had a conversation with him briefly in the parking lot we would find out the next day. Hoffa made a call back to Lentau's office, which he complained that the men were late. He was very frustrated, and Lentau gave the time as 3.30 p.m., even though the FBI suspected that the call was way earlier, based on the timing of other calls. The FBI would estimate that Jimmy Hoffa left the location without a struggle, without a struggle, so, okay. around 2.15 to 2.50 p.m. Witnesses report seeing Hoffa in the back of a maroon Lincoln or Mercury car with three other people in it. The Jack alone, brothers. Huh. In the days and years since... Vito did <laughs> Before we get to, we're still meeting terrors. Before right, we get right, to the gravy, right. in the years and days following, at 7 p.m. the next morning, Jimmy Hoffa's wife called her children to say that her fa- their father had not come home. On her way home, Hoffa's daughter claimed she had a vision of her father, who she was sure was dead. She said he was slumped over and wore a dark colored short sleeve polo shirt. It mystified her since. Although she could have not possibly known that prior to her arrival, the clothing in her vision was exactly what Hoffa's wife claimed he was wearing when he left the house. We need to go a little bit deeper into the girl dream there. Therein lies Jimmy Hoffa. She claimed to see him what he was wearing, and she hadn't been around. This woman was married with her own children at this time. Hoffa had grandchildren. And then come to find out when she told family and relatives about the dream, her mother said that's the exact clothes he had on the Shut day he left up. the house. No. <laughs> well, then, case, case closed. Just ask her where Turn, he's at. They don't accept psychic readings in court. Well, Even if that would have never held up in court. That's like, Not like I they're mean, ever going to court. But is like, that just coincidence? <laughs> well, some people are gifted, bro. At 7.20 that morning, Lintow went to the Marcus Red Fox restaurant, and they found <laughs> Hoffa's Pontiac unlocked in the parking lot. Hmm. No sign of Hoffa or any indication of what happened to him. He called the police, who later arrived. The Michigan State Police were then brought in after being contacted by Detroit PD, and the FBI was then alerted. At 6 p.m. on July 31st, Hoffa's son filed a missing, a missing persons report 
and they had offered a reward of $200,000 for any information. The primary piece of physical evidence obtained in the investigation was a maroon 1975 Mercury Marquis, which belonged to Anthony Giacalone's son, Joseph. The car had been borrowed earlier that day by Charles Chucky O'Brien. O'Brien was like the third child of Jimmy and Joe Hoffa, as he was a foster son. Although relations between the two had soured, uh, you know, nobody's expecting him to have committed a crime, or so they don't think. Well, on August 21st of 1975, so almost a month oh, after yeah. the disappearance, police dogs identified Hoffa scent in the car, specifically, strongly in the trunk. coming from the trunk of the car uh, that nobody could ever seem to explain. Huh. Huh. Case closed. Now, here's where it gets more twisted. Tony Giacalone and Tony Pro both denied having scheduled a meeting with Hoffa and were found not to have been anywhere near the restaurant that day as they set themselves up with alibis. Tony Pro told investigators he was playing cards with Stephen Andretta, Thomas Andretta's brother. We'll get to the Andretta brothers in a minute. But he was playing cards with Stephen Andretta in Union City, New Jersey, the day Hoffa disappeared. Despite extensive surveillance and bugging, investigators found that the mafia members whom they thought were involved were unwilling to talk about Hoffa's disappearance even in private, which means they're thinking, everybody's thinking shit's bugged. Nobody's going to speak. December 4th, 1975, a federal investigator in Detroit said in court that a witness had identified three New Jersey men as having participated in the induction and murder of Jimmy Hoffa. The three men were close associates, almost soldiers, of Tony Provenzono, known as Thomas Andretta, Salvatore Brugliaglio, and yeah, his brother, Salva, guy named Salvatore, and his brother Gabriel. Yeah. Sally Brugliaglio was called Sally Bugs, who was a known hitman oh, for go. the Genovese crime families huh. and other mob families. Well, it gets even deeper, puss. Huh. In 1975, Michigan Attorney General Frank Kelly went to Waterford Township. No relation. No relation. <laughs> To supervise an unsuccessful digging expedition for Hoffa. After years of investigation, including numerous law enforcement agencies, the including the FBI, officials have not reached a definitive conclusion as to Hoffa's fate and who was involved. It don't sound like there was really that much investigation going on. We'll find out about that in a little bit. Hoffa's wife, Joe, would pass away in 1980. Uh, and on December 9th, 1982, Jimmy Hoffa was declared legally dead by Oakland County, Michigan judge. Okay. Nobody. Hang on. Nobody. We got... Okay. So... Oh, yeah. I got two more paragraphs, and then I, in bold letters, I got... Okay. Why are you giving me that death... Oh, wait. 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 <laughs> I don't want to ruin the joke. I don't want to ruin the joke. So, in 1989, Kenneth Walton was the agent in charge of the FBI's Detroit office and pers- pers- pretty much the lead contact on the Hoffa case. He said, I'm comfortable... He's told this to the Detroit newspaper. He said, I'm comfortable I know who did it, but it's never going to be prosecuted because we would have to divulge confidential informants. Well, CIs, huh? Yeah. In 2001, the FBI, thanks to DNA technology, would match a hair taken from the car 
with a hair taken from the private brush of Jimmy Hoffa, which said that Hoffa had been in the car that day. Uh-huh. So maybe 20, 30 years ago when they were dog sniffing, he really was in the car. In June of 2006, the Detroit Free Press published the entire Hoffex memo, a 56-page report which was prepared by the FBI for a January 1976 briefing on the case. I read this memo. He's in Lake Michigan somewhere. I read this memo. I was in the hotel room up in Indianapolis two weeks ago at work, 2.30 in the morning, sitting here reading this memo because I knew what we were going right. to. I read through 56 pages of documentation. Oh, shit. And it reads like a who's who. It lists, you got mafia bosses in Pennsylvania and, you know, Chicago and Detroit. And, of course, the, the five mafia families out there. I They're mean, never going to roll on each other, neither. No. So, anyways, the, the memo claimed that uh, they couldn't prove anything, but they believe Hoffa was murdered at the behest of the crime families because they didn't want him to regain power of the Teamsters. Now, as of 2021, digs are still periodically conducted in the Detroit area. Uh, and recently, we have some Hoffa news that just broke about two months ago, which we'll get to at the end of the episode. Uh, they didn't find him, so don't know. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Come on. Uh, if they'd have found him, we would all heard about it. Right. Think about that. And we would be doing a show right we now. We wouldn't right? be doing a show right now. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, now, one thing I did want to point out is uh, Scott Bernstein. Uh, that name don't mean shit to you. He's a, he's a great author, journalist, and a huge crime buff. Loves true crime. Uh, he made an argument, very convincing, and you can hop in your Google machines and everybody and find this. There might even be a clip on YouTube, I thought at one time. I could be wrong. Uh, he made a claim about three years ago that Tony Prohl's uh, role in this entire case was just acting as a lure to get Hoffa out, that Tony had forgiven Hoffa for essentially you know basically telling him to kiss my ass right. suck my dick whatever uh-huh. he said in prison so uh, all right folks that's it that's all the time we have for uh jimmy hoffa tonight so <laughs> bullshit why are you giving me that death glare yeah, cause, uh, i want to know <laughs> some theory damn it well okay let's uh I mean, i'm coming up with a few as I'm okay well here, what, that's you know? what we're gonna talk about can we can we go ahead real fast yeah okay so i'm out <laughs> He <laughs> thought I was going to end the episode right there. I'm out. So, guys, check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper, Indiana. They are a great group of people. They've offered to make our uh, logo for us many times, and I've never got with them. I don't even know if that offer is still good. But uh, check with them. They're a small business, family-owned business in Jasper, Indiana. They specialize in laser engraving and direct-to-garment printing. They offer vinyl decals, baby blankets, uh, stuff for your tumblers, uh, the whole works. Uh Check them out on Facebook or give them a phone call at 812-661-7765. That's 812-661-7765. Okay, fucker. <laughs> God! You thought, if I'd have, you know what? If I'd have shut the episode down I'd right there, you. I'd have been missing. I'd have been you. missing just like Alpha. I'd have fired you. You should have seen your face. You're, I was like... What I put in the notes was I put, okay, folks, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for coming out. What? Why are you giving me that death glare, Kurt? You want more Hoffa talk? Oh, you want to discuss and hear some of the theories surrounding his disappearance? I want to hear some of them, yeah. I got got you covered, pal. We're going to discuss multiple theories from the most credible to the most laughable. I know which one I'm sticking with. You're thinking his body's wet. Yeah. Well, we're going to start with... 
one of my favorite theories and i say this favorite just because it's a cool theory the old giant stadium yes i've heard this one. yes okay That's a possibility you could say that this is probably the most famous hoffa theory right right okay uh i figure i would cover this one first just because it's probably it is to me it's probably the most laughable not laughable the laughable one's the one that he was alive he right, just checked right. but uh which we'll get to that too but um like i said the notes are 90 percent finished so but my phone's been hot spotted to this laptop for two hours now so i can google anything we need right but uh basically going on about this here and we're doing good i thought this would be a longer episode we're an hour and a half in we're really good uh th- we're gonna go back to 1988 or 1989 here okay. so we're 14 15 years after hoffa disappears 13 14 uh there was a self-proclaimed uh ladies man and a mob hitman called donnie francos who went by tony the greek i love these mob nicknames oh you got to so donnie francos known as tony the greek he did an interview that was published in playboy magazine of all places okay franco spilled his guts in this interview huh hugh hefner did it (laughs) he would be why would hugh do it maybe maybe i don't don't know know. i don't don't know know. maybe he had one of these bunnies i don't know (laughs) so Tony the Greek claims that Hoffa was shot to death by a gang called the Westies, who were found and led by a name you might have heard of, uh, a gangster by the name of Jimmy Coonan. So Jimmy Coonan, uh, to me, Coonan was a wannabe mob guy, but he was just more regulated to a street gangster. Right. But they were some of the most notorious thugs, gangsters, and hitmen for uh, members of the mafia. That, I, that I've ever seen. These guys, Coonan and these guys, originally wanted Francos to pull off the Hoffa hit. Unfortunately for them, uh, Francos was locked up. He was incarcerated at the time. Huh. So, Francos says he told the FBI in 1986 that the former Teamsters boss was shot to death in a Mount Clemens home, not far from Detroit, in a Mount Clemens home by uh, New York mob boss Jimmy Coonan, gangster, whatever. Franco said Coonan and another person involved in the shooting told him about it. Coonan shot Hoffa twice in the head with a silenced 22 caliber pistol. I want to point something out. In all these theories that we're going around, I've come to believe over the years that I think there might only be one or two people that actually know what the right, fuck happened. Right. Because every moth everybody that's affiliated with the mafia that has a different account, which means either they're all full of shit which, or they're all trained to give everybody the runaround. Right, which is all, yeah. They're all trained to, to give cover the runaround. the tracks for the real killers, yes. But in every single fucking theory out there about Hoffa that involves him being shot, every time it's two shots to the back of the head. That is the one consistent thing. I want to point well. this out. In every single story that goes around involving Hoffa being shot, and there's multiple theories about him being shot by different people, Every theory is it two taps to the back of the head. Why two? I mean, why would well, get, that, that's what I'm saying. Why that's, would they that's, pick a caliber? That's like one of the most. One, you know, that's the one of the most oddly consistent things to be and consistent about. Twenty two. I'm not saying it was a twenty two in every oh. ep, but but in this particular theory, it was a twenty two. Right. But every one, it's been two taps to the back of the head, which would do the trick. The twenty two would do the trick, but it well, would. I mean, my dad carried a twenty two as his as his personal carry for years when I was a kid. I mean. 
if you get close enough, you're still going to, I mean, well, I mean you know. It would be as much You're still going to check out. No, you're still you know going to check out. It's going to get it done. It would be gruesome there, but it would be as much splatter or. It's going to get it done. It's going to get it done. But anyways, Frankel's told Playboy that uh, Coonan, aided by a man named John Sullivan, another alleged New York hitman, dismembered Hoffa them with a power saw and a meat cleaver, bagged the body parts, and stuffed them into a freezer. And we're gonna get to we're gonna get to my opinion on each theory at the end of each theory. And we all ate him at so, Burger King. <laughs> five <something>. months <laughs> later, Franco says the bags were trucked to Giant Stadium construction site uh-huh. in East Rutherford, New Jersey. This was before the new you know, this was when Giant Stadium uh, was being right, constructed right. in seventy five. <clears throat> it's long since stated, uh, Franco said that Hoffa's remains were buried in cement under what is section one oh seven near the football field's end zone. Uh, the magazine printed a stadium diagram marking the spot with the headline, Hoffa Goes Deep. Now, Franco's is in federal witness protection program as he is supposed to testify at the time of this writing. He was supposed to testify against New York Mafia kingpin John Gotti. Now, Kenneth Walton, which we talked about earlier, who said he knew who he thought it was. Uh, Kenneth Walton in 1985 challenged Franco's story saying, quote, during the time I was in charge, which included the period when this guy claims he talked to an FBI agent about the case, no information ever came to me dealing with the Hoffa matter that had any credibility whatsoever. Now, in the Playboy article, Don Francos would claim that Chucky O'Brien was paid a million dollars to lure Hoffa into this house in Mount Clemens. Hoffa was in the front seat. Sally Bugs, Sal Brugliario was Drew in the driving. Chucky O'Brien was in the back because Hoffa wouldn't trust nobody in the back, only Brian. One other thing about a lot of these theories, it all they all involve the same thing. Hoffa got in the car with right, three right, other men. Right. Hoffa would not get in a vehicle without somebody he knew because right. by this point... He already pe- pissed. Well, by the, well, he pissed some people off, but by right. this point... Certain people had reached out to Hoffa like, hey, you might want to watch out what's right. going on. So Hoffa's not getting in this Pontiac. So there ought to be. Or this Mercury. He's, he's not getting in this, this Mercury without somebody in there that he's comfortable well, you would with. Think there would be a struggle then, right? Right. And every single. Because witnesses saw him physically get into this car. That's what they reported. There was never anybody that saw. No. Okay. So he wasn't. There was no struggle. So. He would have got in the car had this Chucky O'Brien character been in the car, because Chucky O'Brien, right. like I said, was like a, it was like the third child for you, for Jimmy and Joe. I bet you set, set him up somehow, like a, I bet you Giovanni or whatever want to meet you somewhere else, maybe. Okay, so right, okay. Uh, huh. Chucky O'Brien at the time, who's passed away just within the last few years, I think. I think that was Chucky that passed away a couple of years ago. Somebody, somebody recently involved with the Alpha case. Just passed away within the last couple of years. Uh, Chucky would claim that Franco's story was 100% bullshit. He said for uh, 14 years now, this is, like I said, the story's going back in 89. He said for 14 years, I've told people I drove the car that picked Hoffa up that day. Now I'm in the back seat. This is complete bullshit. Franco's would tell Playboy magazine that Anthony Provenzano, the New Jersey Union leader, uh, member of the Genovese crime family, uh, and a reported mafia figure would order Hoffa killed. 
The reason being was because Hoffa had threatened to expose ties between the Teamsters and the mob. And, of course, uh, you know, Provenzano had the beef with Hoffa and uh, the disrespectful things and what was going on while they were in prison. Now, this is my words here. Okay. I don't put a lot of faith in this. I mean, it's it's really sad to say something about somebody dying's cool, but this is a cool mob story. It is. It is, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the Giants scored a touchdown on Sundays. Hoffa's right there in the concrete, right, right there on TV right. to see it every right. day, right there in front of everybody's right. eyes. You know, like how sick is the mob? Like they, them guys sick. would get it. Them guys think about if this is true. The guys doing the construction. Here comes this bag out. Okay. So. What am I saying? So when Giant Stadium is being under construction, what's the one thing, Kurt, that you know about mafia stories and everything? Uh, they concrete. do they do a lot. No, well, no, no, no. Don't think about this. They 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 uh they do a lot of illegal activities, but they also have fronts where they're involved in a lot of yes. legitimate businesses. Yeah, right. Do you know who happened to be uh, in deep with the con- with the construction of Giant Stadium? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> the Genovese family. The Genovese family. In specific, the concrete trucks. Huh. They owned well, the concrete business that was doing the concrete. Went to. So, but I'm not sold on this, and, I, and I'll tell you why. You mean to tell me that you're going to freeze a guy's remains over five months before you move him? So you're banking on whatever freezer you put him in, and you can't. Whatever freezer you put him in, whether it's in in a, in, a, in an industrial environment or in a deep freeze uh, in somebody's garage, it. that somebody's not going to come snooping. Right? Do you mount? Ma- do you imagine the amount of people you're going to have to scare the shit out of and pay off to keep this a secret? Right. So you mean to tell me you're going to keep a guy hidden in a freezer for five months, and then, and then you're going to put him on a truck <laughs> or in a v- or in the trunk of a car, either one, right? You're going to take him 600-plus fucking miles trucking across interstate lines, which is a hellacious another felony if you get caught. Right, And then you're going to have to make sure the timing lines up to where you can get him put in there and you can make sure that concrete is poured as soon as he's put in there. That's a pretty tough order, I guess. Now, the FBI didn't put a lot of faith in this either because as well, you know the giants opened the 2011 nfl season with a brand new stadium yeah so when metlife was taken down in 2009 2010 the fbi didn't even bother to come look what the fuck they did not bother to come well i take that back i take that back let me clarify if they did investigate they didn't investigate far enough because the demolition crew only went down four to six feet when they tore down and it was rumored that for this here, Hoffa was put down at least 10 feet, if not double. Really? Now, to the best of my knowledge, if the FBI did any investigating on this, it wasn't very much. Well, that would have been a no-brainer to check that out, right? I mean, what do you, what, what do you think? Where, you, where do you rank this theory? You sold on this? It's okay. It's just opinion, mate. We're never going to know. Tell me how much faith you'd put in this theory. I don't know. I don't put too much in it because, like you say, it's just a lot of work. You're gonna have to pay people off, make sure people don't get in the freezer, right? Or scare the well, shit out of people. Pay the construction people off too. I mean, yeah. Well, here comes some body parts rolling out of the cement yeah. truck. I don't. But what sells this theory is the fact that Genovese was 
one of their legitimate fronts was construction, but what but even taking that out, say they didn't involve the construction, they did own a hundred percent validated the concrete trucks that were pouring. That the makes concrete. it look suspicious, dude. I now that's, I, it does make it look pretty <laughs> suspicious, right? Okay. But, but maybe that's all done to lead us away from the real So Okay. So you're ready for another theory. Yeah. So this one is actually uh, one of my favorite theories as well. And when I was uh, first learned about Hoffa when I was 12, 13 years old, uh, up until my early 20s, this was my theory of what happened. Uh, the theory is that Hoffa was killed by one of the most infamous killers in history, a crazy, evil, psychopathic hitman for the mob known as Richard the Iceman Kalinsky. Okay. Fun fact, how am I going to get a pro wrestling reference into this episode? Oh, boy. The character of the Iceman was where Stone Cold Steve Austin got his idea to be Stone Cold. Really? Just because of the cold nature of what right. Kalinsky was. Right. Yeah. I got one in every episode, yes. baby. Homer. So, Kalinsky <laughs> claims... That on July 29th, 1975, he and a mobster named Tony P. Here we go, some more Tonys. Hang on. Hey, Tony. Hey. Yeah. A mobster named Tony P. and a pair of brothers named Gabe and Sal and a guy named Tommy drove from Jersey to Detroit where they killed Jimmy Hoffa. Obviously, he's talking about Anthony Tony Pro Provenzano, Gabriel and Salator Bariglio, Sally being Sally Bugs. Right. Uh, and Thomas Andretta, one of the Andretta brothers. The four were among the group of people that were targeted by a grand jury that probed Hoffa's murder. Sally Bugs was a very well-known hitman who was also a business agent for Provenzano's New Jersey's Teamsters Local. All denied taking part in the Hoffa hit, and none has changed. According to Kalinsky, they had a 10-hour drive to Detroit. Members of the hit team received a telephone call telling them to go to a suburban restaurant where they met Hoffa. The men drove a few miles with the Teamsters boss before Kalinsky said he knocked Hoffa unconscious with a blackjack and then while holding Hoffa's chin up, thrust a hunting knife into the back of his skull. Wow. He said he kept the knife in there as long as possible to stop the bleeding so it wouldn't leak right, out all over right, the car right. and get evidence. The men said Kalinsky stopped at a rest area and put Hoffa then in a body bag. The other four would take a bus back to New Jersey. Kalinsky claims he then drove the body to a junkyard from Detroit. They took a body from Detroit where they have one of the biggest lakes in the world and drove it all the way back to New Jersey. Uh Okay, hang on. Uh Said said one of the people for uh, the New Jersey crime office, uh, Bob Bacino. He said, it's hard to believe we helped lead the probe that put Kalinsky behind bars. We don't believe a lot of the things it said. Kalinsky claims that once back in New Jersey, Hoffa was placed in a 50-gallon drum and set on fire. The drum was then sealed and buried in the junkyard. He said, but then it was dug up a few months later after Sally Bugs began cooperating with the feds and they were worried about getting caught. The drum was then placed in the trunk of a car that was crushed and sold to scrap to Japanese automakers. Now, this theory was investigated very little, if at all. But up until in my early 20s, uh, when I first heard about Hoffman, I was 12 or 13, this is the theory that I thought would happen. 
I thought that because Kalinsky was one of the most violent men in history. They suspect him. He was only charged with like 10 murders when he got arrested and put behind murders. bars. Only 10 they murders. Suspect, they suspect him of being responsible for up to 300 murders. Damn. Mafia-related and non-mafia-related. Uh, but I just thought it was... I thought this was the theory. Like, how better can you... There, there, there would be no way to investigate that. If that was what really happened, that was the perfect crime because he's crushed in a car that's already in a drum and it's sold back as scrap metal... Okay, not only is he now all the way on the other side of the world, who the fuck knows where that recycled steel's at? Oh God! Like okay. it probably got it probably ended up back at the Wapaki Yards. It probably got shipped back from Japan no. back over here. No, and then when they uh, when they put it in the charge yard, I probably you know melted him down. I probably poured him in to make some brake rotors for a Toyota Tundra or That's something. Fucked up. It could be. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That would be a perfect crime, though. Yeah, it wouldn't nobody know. And it's and it's and it's just because it's uh, it's because of who is saying it. But you this know, guy is a proven hitman for the mob. But the mob too, they don't give a fuck neither. And it would be just like him to put him right in front of millions of Americans, <laughs> right in front so, of their face. So, what do you think about this one? Uh, no, uh, no. I, almost I like thought, a giant until stadium. Until my twenties, I thought you, I kind of like the giant stadium thing. I mean, it's right there in front of everybody. You know, okay. Here's what happens to this shit when you fuck with the mob. Bam. Poof. poof. You know? Hey, Kurt. Yeah. Do you remember when we kept deciding, we were kept talking about we were going to record a new show opening all the time? Right. And we put one together. We used it about five or six times. Yeah. And? <laughs> I just got distracted by Doyle or something. <laughs> oh, there he is. So we got just We, uh... You had had a line in there where you said Americans don't trust their fucking government. Right. I got a theory here about the government. You think they got... Uh, uh, yeah, you want to you hear talk about this? Yeah. That's what it was, for sure. The government? Yeah? Okay, so... I'm liking this one already. You know? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> okay. Fucking government. So another well-known theory was publicized by a former... Jimmy Hoffa associate known Joe Franco. Franco had wrote a book entitled Hoffa's Man with the New York Times reporter Richard Hammer. Uh, this book's got good reviews. I've never read it, uh, but I've been so amassed in mob culture those last getting prepared for this, you know, uh, I might check it out. Uh, but in the book, Franco claims that Hoffa was abducted by federal marshals or federal agents. He alleged that the men showed Hoffa their IDs, so he got in the car with them. Uh, the only problem is, you know, some people said that it was a black Ford LTD when every single witness out there sent him in a car. So take it with a grain of salt. Right. That doesn't mean the theory is completely washed out. Uh, but then the, the federal agents would drive him to a nearby airport, force him onto a small plane, and then push him out as they flew over the Great Lakes. I'm looking at your face because you keep saying Hoffa's wet. Well, wait, wait. Just give me, just give me one. One of the just biggest give, water, just, you know. Just give me one, and uh, then we'll, and then okay. we'll get to my breakdown, your breakdown. You keep saying he's wet. Yeah. Do you know the name Michael Franzese? No. Okay. God, love this guy. So Michael Franzese is a former capo for the Colombo crime family, one of the five families in New York. He did his time. He got out of the mob. 
Uh, he's a motivational speaker now, big family man, big man of God, goes to church all the time, real good Christian, the works. Uh, almost four years ago, he did a sit-down podcast interview with uh, a guy named DJ Vlad, who has had some, who's had a laundry list of guests on there, so he's a very reputable source. Uh, somebody had asked him, and Vlad asked him too, about Jimmy Hoffa, and Franzese gets asked about Hoffa everywhere he goes, and his stories have pretty much stayed the same. He says, uh, I can tell you he's wet, that's for sure. Upon good authority, he said, I know who the real shooter is, still alive today in prison. All I can tell you is he's wet. They're never going to find his body. It's wet. Huh. So. Uh, there's a big lake here by Detroit, you know. Okay. All right, so here we go, son. You ready to roll with this yeah. one? So this theory interests me. Could our own government have killed Hoffa and Fuck not yeah. the mob? Fuck yeah, they could have. Okay. Well, what if I tell you that if this theory holds weight, it's because the United States government got into a pissing contest with the United States government? Okay. 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 So the United States Senate and the FBI at the time were fixing to investigate our own CIA. Huh. Uh, and as you know, these agencies all work together, but as you know, and every American knows, and you can hop your Google machine, there's always been a pissing contest yeah. between the FBI and the CIA. Right. <laughs> good point. Good. Oh, good point. So, um, think about that. The government investigating the government. Okay. Huh. Why? Where the fuck's this going, right? Huh. Okay. This was about Operation Mongoose. Mm. Okay. The Cuban Project, also known as Operation Mongoose, was an extensive campaign of terrorist attacks against civilians and covert operations carried out by RCIA in Cuba in the 60s. In August of 1960, the CIA would initiate the first phase of a plan entitled Gambling Syndicate. Uh, a, con a couple of contacts in the CIA pulled in a mob member Johnny Rosselli who was uh, a big mafia guy out in Vegas, but he had connections back east, okay? Uh, they would pull in... Uh, uh, Roselli would pull in a counterpart with him named Sam Gold, who would be known as Chicago Mafia Sam Giacana. Okay, these guys were brought in because the United States government, the CIA, was getting involved with the American Mafia, La Costa Nostra, uh, to assassinate... Fidel Castro. Ah. Now, see, the mafia, the Italian mafia, you know, the, especially the mafia itself is completely ran through New York. You have, you know, you have different families and different bodies out in bigger areas like, you know, Chicago and Detroit and yeah, LA, yes, right, but it's yeah. all comes through the five families in right, New York. Right. Uh, Castro had kicked the mob and pretty much everybody American out of Cuba. So, you know, the mafia had at the time in the sixties, the mafia was the was the first version of the Cayman Islands. Send all your illegal shit there, your money. Right, right. While they were out, uh Castro took all their money, <laughs> took all their dope, took all their weapons, <laughs> took everything. Right. So these son of bitches are ready to go down there and kill him. Well, because at the time the government was smart, big brother watching everybody, the whole the enemy of my enemy is my friend type thing. So the government comes to the mob like, hey, We'll agree to look the other way on some shit, 
You guys go down there and kill Castro, and we'll call a spade a spade and call it a day. So this is this is going on. Did they try to poison him with his cigar? Oh yeah, it's in here. I mean, I can just skip that. Uh, let's see. Uh, several schemes, including uh, poison, uh, cigar, cigarettes, a handkerchief, a handkerchief treated with bacteria, uh, <laughs> drinking liquid kerosene. I don't. I love how it says liquid kerosene because yeah, how the shit. fuck else is kerosene? <laughs> no doubt. What other what other form is kerosene in? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Wait, I gotta hit it. What other form is kerosene I, well, in? Yeah, you don't know. I don't know. But wait, it gets better. Okay. Okay. I'm going to skip forward just a little bit here. We're still on this theory. Uh, so, so they're, uh, they're, you know, they're, there's Sam Gold, there's Johnny Rosselli. These are two high-ranking mob guys. These are at least capos. They're not, you know, the level goes associates, uh, which is your your lowest form, people like me and you, the peons, right, right. the people that get arrested and killed first. Like Grand Theft Auto when yeah, you start yeah, out, right? The, the yeah, people yeah, that get arrested yeah. and killed first, that's right, us, the right, peons. Right. Then you got the soldiers, then you got the capos, like your Tony Sopranos, and then you've got your consigliars, which are kind of like the uh, the like right hand kind of, the, the, the voice of reason. Then you'd have your underboss or your boss. So these guys are all at least capos, if not higher. Uh, the assassin, the assassin attempt fails. They pull out. <laughs> da, da, right. da, da, da. So how does this theory tie in? Uh, Hoffa was in control of the Teamsters for a long time. Okay, Jimmy Hoffa basically had a front row seat with backstage VIP passes to all the inner workings of the mob. Hoffa knew who was getting shook down. Right. Hoffa knew who was getting murdered. Right. Hoffa knew fucking everything. Another how, reason for the mob to take him out. You see how passionate I'm getting. Yes. But you're still wondering how this all ties in, this theory. So, uh, how would it look if word had leaked out to most of us not-in-the-know Americans in the 60s that our government, who's trying on television with the, McCle- with the uh, McClellan Committee to take down organized crime, how would it look if we were <laughs> secretly in bed with organized crime, <laughs> well. even though we were trying to fight Fidel Castro in Cuba. So the U.S. government and the FBI and the Senate, they were, uh, what is it, subpoenaing the CIA. And called to testify against these people was Johnny Rosselli, Sam Giacana, and Hoffa. And it was widely believed that all three were going to spill their guts about the mob. Okay? or uh, More especially about the government. Because this is what this theory is about. And then conveniently, they all three never made it to testify. Sam Giacana was murdered uh, in a mafia-style hit. A very grotesque, like, they fucked this dude up. Mafia-style hit in June of 75, a couple weeks before he was supposed to testify. Hoffa was scheduled to testify in August, just a few, just two or three weeks before he disappeared. And Johnny Rosselli, poor old Johnny... He was scheduled to testify sometime in early 1976. They found his body floating in a 50-gallon drum in Biscayne Bay down in Miami, Florida, with bullet holes in the back of his skull. So, so he's definitely wet. But where? So, they'll never so, find him. So, you, so 
What do you think about this government theory? You think that's plausible? You think the government, the CIA itself, shut him out, and they fucking put him fishing with the swimmies? It's looking that way. I knew you were gonna say that. Well, I mean, no, no, I'm good. I want you to talk to me about this shit. I want to hear your shit. Strong theory. I mean, I think that's it. Or we could go back and just ask his young daughter or daughter where she seen him at. That blows your mind, didn't it? And it, well, I mean, <laughs> see, he was listening in the other room. He it heard does it. Blow my mind a little bit. She she would have had no idea what he's wearing. She told people about this and her mother, and she told them she told her. How old would she have been when it well, she was in her 30s, 40s, something like that, 50s, whatever. You know, I don't remember how old the kids were. They were born in the 30s, 40s. So there's there's in 30s or 40s. There was an adult that had this dream and then everything. Yeah, she was an adult. I so I got another. Hoffa is wet theory for you. Okay. So another theory was that Hoffa was killed on the orders of uh, Tony Pro. <laughs> Satan. Satan. <laughs> now, again, he's a capo. Tony right. was. He could have made that call. Right. You know, if you're an associate or assault, you can't make that call. Tony was high enough. He could have made that call. Uh, but the, the, the theory here is that his body was ground up into little pieces and shipped to Florida, thrown in a swamp. Now, a, a guy claiming to be a Moffa murderer named Charles Allen, who served prison time with Hoffa and was part of the Federal Witness Protection Program, had told the U.S. Senate in 82, and they called bullshit on it because this guy was just looking for 15 minutes of fame. However, the, uh, there's nothing here, but something that should be of note is that several of the guys... On, because you know how you've seen the Sopranos, you know how the capos work. You know, the capo in each family, you've got a small crew that you run with guys that work for you're all working under the right, same boss, right. but you've got your own little crew you run. Right. Apparently, several of, um, reportedly, several of Tony Pro's crew made an emergency trip down to Florida for no reason in the days following Hoffa's disappearance. Reportedly, huh. but I call bullshit. 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 <laughs> I call bullshit because uh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't order the hit. I'm not discounting that. But Hoffa being cut to t- tiny pieces and driven to the swamps of Florida when you could have just flushed him in Lake Michigan, Lake yeah. Huron, Lake Erie, whatever the fuck it is up there. He's in Lake Michigan. Like, come on. Total the government bu- pushed him out of a plane. Total bu- oh, that's the theory you're sticking with, huh? Okay, so how about this theory? Let's drain the Atlantic. How about this theory? This is uh, this is my top two theory. I'm leaning between. I keep leaning towards this one and another one. We'll get to later. How about this theory? Hoffa is buried beneath 73 stories of the Renaissance Center in Detroit, Michigan, downtown Detroit. You know what the Renaissance is? Renaissance Center. No. Uh. You seen the big GM building in yeah, Detroit? Yeah. He's buried underneath that, underneath all the other buildings. It's downtown. Okay. I get, can I can I tell you why? I mean, I, no. Him and Henry Ford you're just stuck on the government killed Hoffman. Well, it's either that or he's right in front of everybody in Giant Stadium. You should save that theory for last because it's a guarantee it was government. Yeah, I have to agree. There is no undoubtedly. He's anytime gone. you are doubt about something, just always go to the government and they'll give you the answer. <laughs> It was then, every time. Well, oh god. Okay, so here we go. Is that what we're done? 
Yeah, Dale Hurd died. I mean, there's no yeah. way he died in that crash, but there is somehow because he got. Huh. He was more popular than the president at the time. Yep. So. Okay. So here we go. So this theory comes to us courtesy of Marvin Elkin, who's called the Weasel. I don't like it already. God, just, nope. just, can I, can I please? Okay, 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 okay. The Weasel, he's called this because he got pissed off at the mob and he played the mob for fools. This was a 17-year-old boy who started out. He met Jimmy Hoffa for the first time. He was working at the Copacabana nightclub in New York as a busboy, as a teenager. They came to him one day, the mob did, and said, you're going to start driving for Jimmy Hoffa. He said he knew who Jimmy Hoffa was. Everybody did. But he said, I don't want to drive for Jimmy Hoffa. And they're like, "Uh, we didn't give you a choice. So he said the first time he met Jimmy Hoffa, he almost pissed his pants because he opened the door for Hoffa and he said, good morning, Mr. Hoffa. He said, you always refer to me as Mr. Hoffa or sir, never Jimmy. He said, good job. He said two rules. He said, number one, you never be late. He said, if you're on time, you're late. Rule number two, what you hear in this car stays in this car. If word gets out, he said, I promise you they'll never find your body. Huh. That's what Hoffa told him. So Elkin's story goes that after Hoffa is picked up uh, at the Red Fox restaurant, Marcus Red Fox, Wherever they take him, within 30 minutes, Hoffa's executed. Tapped. Back of the head. Two dimes. Here we go again with the two dimes. Okay? He was taken downtown and thrown into a pit with several tons of concrete as it was being poured in broad daylight on top of him. Elkin claims to know this because in the fall of 1975, just two or three months after the disappearance of Hoffa, they have a big union convention in downtown Detroit, Michigan. Okay? They're right across the street, like literally right across the street from the Renaissance Center at the Omni Hotel, one of the most famous hotels in the world. Okay. So a slew of businessmen, gangsters, and Elkin were all crossing the street past the construction site that morning, going back over there. Tony Pro and uh, Tony Jack, who's your Jackaloni, uh-huh. they're all walking past. And they turned back and told the group. Boys, say good morning to our friend Mr. Hoffa. He deserves your respect, followed by laughter, because they said he deserves your respect, and they all start laughing their ass off. Now, okay, you know, here's Elkin. He drove for Hoffa for years, and da 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 da. And he's in his, you know, he's probably in his uh, 30s by this point. You know what? Eh. But then a second story pops up to back this theory up. So, a retired corrections officer said he saw Jimmy Hoffa being killed and buried at the construction site, which would become the anchor of the Detroit skyline, right? So, uh, it came from a young man named Michael Yarborough, who was 18 years old at the time. He was a corrections officer. He lived in nearby Inkster, which is a suburb of Detroit, right? So... He claims he stumbled upon Hoffa being uh, whacked, as he called it. It's the first time all. Uh, we, it's the first time all episode we've used the word whack. 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 Uh. That would have fit in real good with all the other shit we were saying earlier, would it? Yeah. <laughs> whack. Whack. So uh, he heard. He said he he started running. So after I explain this theory, I'm going to tell you why I like it, but also why I don't like it. Okay. Okay. Because there's a part in here coming up that I like it, but I'm like. This shouldn't have happened the way it happened. 
So I'll, I'll get to that. Um, so Yarbrough claims that he stumbled upon Hoffa being whacked in downtown Detroit, right? About 3.20 p.m., which would fit the timeline of, you know, about a half hour after Hoffa got picked right. up, right? He said, quote, I came across the construction zone because I heard someone screaming help before I, ho- I heard two gunshots. He said, from a short distance, I could see men holding him by the arms then as a cement truck uh, was pouring down onto this this great big pillar and there was a 1975 mercury marquee parked behind me he said i was 18 years old don't you think i know what cars looked like then so he said according to yarborough his front row seat to history was interrupted by a third assailant who imposed the young man with his dark hair or an imposing young man with dark hair he said as i watched on a third guy come walking up to me and said you better keep your ass moving unless you want to be next he said, I didn't waste no time. I took off running. The guy started following me. He said, I ran to this tower in the hotel, and I hid for 30 minutes till I, I felt it was safe. He said, I came back out, and uh, they were gone. So, I like this theory a lot, but I also don't. Uh, for one thing, again, Hoffa is one of the most famous people in the world in 75. Like he's Hollywood level right, celebrity, right, right? And you're gonna be murdering this guy, and some stranger happens to walk upon yeah, it, would be and you're out. not gonna just, and you're just yeah. gonna let him go. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Now he was. Who was it that picked him up though in this one? Like who's the? They was just it, the same thing. They don't know who picked him. It was, you know, a car with three individuals. So you assume it's some sort of combination of gangsters. But no government. No, no. Well, so. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you're gonna let this boy just walk away. Now, granted, what you one thing you learn about the mobs and a lot of these mob hits, how often do you see him ever whack a child? Now he might be an 18 year old boy, but at that point, you you know when you're 18, you still sometimes look like you're a little bit younger, depending on. Nope. Very often, I mean. I mean, if he if they actually thought that that they you know he seen him do it, I don't think they would have let him go. See, but if it was a gun, they would have though. In Hoffa, but but what I want to point out to you and you and and uh, I guess you because you're part of this now. You've been part of this episode. Well, I'm just I should have got you a damn mic. You should have been sitting in with us. So here's my theory. Uh, I've been fascinated by this story since I was a teenager. We talked about this since I was a young 13, 12, 13 year old boy, and we've been prepping on this episode for a month. In Hoffa folklore, very rarely do you ever have two corroborating stories. And that's what you've got here as far as what happened to him. Where is that? But I call bullshit, and and I call, I like it. It's my number two theory on what happened, but I call bullshit. Because you're never going to find that body. Even if the government decided they wanted to look, you're never going to find that body. That is one of the top five most iconic skylines in U.S. history. You're not going to tear that sun. And especially with a company like General Motors owns the part of the building that he is supposedly under, you're not going to let them tear that down to go digging into the concrete to see if you can find him. It ain't going to happen. So, again, perfect crime because barring uh, an earthquake, a hellacious tornado, or a fire, that building's never coming down to be examined what's underneath there. So, but how fitting would it be? This, This other thing. Because we're talking about the mob's sick sense of humor. Why not put him on TV when we can see him? Yeah. All the time, yeah. What better place to put a labor leader union 
than one of the biggest labor projects going on in the country at the time. You pour the concrete on him, and the next morning, these motherfuckers are coming to work, working right over the top of him, and they never even know. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, you, you have two corroborating stories. <laughs> I don't know. I think you ever definitely did that, Andrew. I do, too. Okay. So, so here's, here's one. This is the laughable one. Hoffa was thrown into witness protection. <laughs> no. 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 So, so the theory goes that uh, the theory goes back to the obviously the theories all start at the Moccas Red Fox parking lot. Right. But the theory goes back to the one with the federal agents. This one goes with they whisked him away into a car, which goes against everything we've ever heard about him just willingly getting right, in a car. Right. Because they found out information that he was going to get whacked. There you go. Whacked. Whacked. And they thought he would be valuable as an informant. So, hey, great theory. I mean, sure, whatever. You really think you can keep a guy with his mouth as big as his and an ego as big as his? He had an ego bigger than my fat ass, and that's a big ego. (laughs) How are you going to keep that guy hidden from everybody? Do what? (laughs) Reduction? Okay. Uh, I'm not buying this one. No, I'm not. That was not it. Government. <laughs> so you're going with the government? I think I got to go with the government, as, too. As far as where the body would be, that right. was really kind of down. But as far as that one, I would say that last that last place you mentioned, the, in Detroit, could be would be the uh, underneath that building. Could Final be, resting you know? place. And like I said, that that's uh, very rarely do you get two corroborating right. stories. Uh but what I'm about to tell you now is kind of a corroborating story, but kind of not. Uh, actually, I put I take this back. I take this back because I didn't think about how I want to word this. Uh, that's my number three theory because the next two theories actually work out better. I should I should have I forgot about this one. So the next theory goes uh, is that Hoffa was. Do I have a Do I have a Yeah, you got a sticky. Point. I got a sticky note yeah, yeah. point out. Okay. Witness protection. Cross that out. We got that one. Yeah. Put that one at the top, top three. Oh yeah, sure. Witness protection. That's that's where fucking Hoffa is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh this this theory here, uh it um it comes to us like five days after Hoffa dies. So, and I didn't have time. Here, here we go with what I said. The notes were 90% finished, so I didn't get to put this in. But I said, everybody knows the story pretty much. We can just wing it. And I got a hot spot right here. So, this theory is why. I'm going to hold my mic. Let's see how. See, Kurt's like, stop it. I hear the noise. <laughs> All right. Hang on, everybody. We're, we're adjusting. I had a kickback. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you going to do that hey, now, too? Look, are you getting ready to sing or something? Hey, how are you? Hey, how, hey, hey you how said Doyle you? was singing earlier, weren't you? Indian chanting out there? <laughs> yeah. That might be a... Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So this theory comes to us August 4th, 1975. Okay. By the way, that's the day before my birthday. I was born August 5th. Okay. Not that year, obviously. Right. Yeah. You'd have been a four-year-old boy then? Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a mob guy in prison serving a stint for manslaughter or homicide or something. And his name's Tony. His name's Ralph Picardo. Oh, 
Ricardo. Okay. You know the Italians, they all right. end in O, like right, right, just like right. the Polish all end in ski. Right. So Ralph Picardo is visited in prison by uh the Andretta brothers, Thomas and Stephen Andretta, and somebody else I can't I can't remember. Uh they uh proceed to tell him that Jimmy Hoffa has been taken out. Hoffa is no more, Hoffa has been dead, he's gone. Okay. Uh, after they leave, uh, Picardo, who realizes that, I mean, he's probably going to be in this box forever. He tries to, I don't know if he was trying to get himself a better deal or what. He decides to turn state's evidence. So he gets the FBI in here immediately. Because now, keep in mind, this is four days, five days after Hoffa disappeared. This is like prime news. Right. They sit down over the course of a couple hours, and Picardo spills his guts about what happens. Uh, he says that they they take Jimmy Hoffa to a nearby house who that is owned by uh, this lady. Her son is a gangster out with one of the families out in Los Angeles. So, you know, this guy, this, this L.A. gangster, uh, again, hop in your Google machine here. Uh, I'm trying to recall this best from my memory here. I mean, I can't. I'm not pulling her up on a laptop. Uh, History Channel did a documentary about it, too. They, um, This guy makes sure his mother's gone out of the house, right? So they take, they drive Hoffa to this house. They execute him. Okay? They stuff his body in a 55-gallon drum. So here we got this drum theory right, again, right? right? Okay? At the time, the, the Genovese family, here we go again. The, the Genovese family, they own a trucking company in transportation called Gateway Transportation. So they truck him back to New Jersey and bury him bury yeah. him underneath the uh, Pulaski Skyway, which is a major right. travel. It's in a dump owned by the Moscato family. So it's, a, it's like 57 acres worth of land. Part of it, at least half of it, is a toxic dump. So it's inhabitable to get to. Right. It's dangerous for you. And apparently, this was like a prime dumping ground for the mob, which is why they like dumping bodies there. Well, uh, they, uh, Picardo, being Picardo, he's not going to tell them exactly where it is, but he keeps telling them they're in the right spot. So they dig there in 75. They find absolutely jack fuck nothing. Okay. Okay. We shoot back to 2020, two years ago. Uh, a guy by the name of Phil Moscato passes away. His mafia nickname was Brother, Brother Moscato. You know, he owned the dump. Uh, he's on his deathbed. He tells his son, who's in his 50s, his son's in his 50s, and he says, uh, you're probably going to be the last person on earth who knows where Jimmy Hoffa is buried. So they decide, so he decides to come clean. Excuse the EQ popping, everybody. I'm putting my mic down. So he comes clean, gets the mafia there, or gets the, the government there. They go looking for the body. So before they want to start digging on this property that's now no longer solo a dump, it's been divided amongst three different organizations. They use 
and this is 2020, so you know we're we're in the most advanced technology we have. <clears throat> they use this thing that's like uh, you remember the little cart you push across with your yeah. hand to pick up nails. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they got one that they use ground X-ray. Pen- ground penetrating sonar. radar yeah. sonar. Yeah, and you take the data from that, and when you put it into your computer and you examine it, it gives you a 3D image of what you're looking at. Right. Well, when they did that test in 2020. They didn't. They uh, they got the results back in 2021. They're finding like dozens and dozens of 55 gallon drums buried in the ground. So they start the process of digging through this dump. And in July, as of July, and you can hop in your Google machines, as of July 2022, they made a statement that came out just two months ago, saying they had found nothing noteworthy yet. Now, they still have a lot more property to search, but as of now, they have still found nothing. But the story goes, they got Hoffa's butt. And so the whole reason the whole reason for this is Tony Pro hated Hoffa's guts. If this motherfucker could have mounted his head on the wall of his right. house, he probably would have. The whole reason he was brought back is so they could make a point to people and be like, look, over there is Hoffa's body. Keep fucking with me. You know? But that's like my second theory, but I'm not buying it because the next theory is like too great to pass up. Okay. And uh, there's one other bullshit theory we can do. There's a, there's a, actually, we'll cover the bullshit theory real fast. So there's a movie called The Irishman, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Who doesn't love those two guys? Right, right. So in the movie... Uh, Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. Robert De Niro plays the Irishman Frank Sheeran, who was a good friend of Jimmy Hoffa's in real life. He was also a hitman for the mob. Sheeran, on his deathbed in 2003, 4-ish, whenever, claimed that he executed Jimmy Hoffa, as well as countless other people. He executed Hoffa because the mob said, if you don't execute him, we will execute you. Again, two dimes to the back of the head. Here we go. Every theory involving him being shot is two dimes. And it's to the back of the head. It's never in front of him. It's never. (laughs) Will you just just give me my moment here, son? You said this wasn't even the good one. (laughs) uh, There's a lot of people out there that believe that Sharon was the guy that did it. And he wrote the book about it. Well, he was telling the story to a guy who was a former detective. And the detective wrote the book. Uh, I don't believe that's what happened. I don't believe he did it. The theory goes that um, the theory goes that Sharon shot him. They left the house. Uh, cleanup crews come in, clean the house, took the body to a mob-owned mortuary, and cremated it. Now, I don't believe that. I put on Facebook, and and uh, he's seen it. I put on Facebook a couple weeks ago that. Sharon might be a good guy or might have been, but his theory is full of shit. He didn't execute Hoffa. The next theory, though, is the one I think I'm hanging my hat on now. Okay. So it involve it doesn't involve a crematory, but it involves an incinerator. And I'll tell you why I'm sold on this. So it goes that the gangsters, and I think in this theory it was uh, Sal Brugliano, Sally Bugs. All right. Who? Oh, fun fact. Sally Bugs was murdered by Frank Sheeran years later down in Little Italy in New York. Just thought, throw that okay. out there. Oh. They, 
They execute Hoffa. Again, two dimes. Back of the head. Here we go with the two dimes thing. Okay. They drive him 35 miles outside of Detroit, Michigan. So they go pick him. They pick him up the Red Fox restaurant where they're supposed to be. They said, "Hey, Tony Pros and Anthony Jack, they're here waiting on you. We're going to go here to this meeting house. This was a house that Hoffa had been in before, so he's not afraid to go in this place. Right? Doesn't even get in the door. I think they said they whacked him outside or in the car. I don't believe they'd whack him in the car because blood would splatter all over the car. Regardless, Sally Bugs pops him." They drive him 35 miles outside of Detroit to a company called Central Sanitation, which is owned by two high-ranking Detroit Mafia members, uh, Peter Vital. I always thought of Dick Vital. <laughs> yeah, uh, baby. Yo, baby, we killed Hoffa, <laughs> baby. Yeah. I can't think of the other guy's name, but they were two high-ranking Detroit mob guys. They owned uh, Central Sanitation. So after they kill Hoffa, they take his body to this incinerator. This and th- we're talking this is an industrial cleaning company. This incinerator, this uh this shit melt a Buick. This right. is this is a big they put Hoffa in there and they said within like five minutes there's no more Hoffa. It just it's that hot, it's that fast, it's that big. Hoffa's gone. Well the FBI starts poking around and the government, this is their favorite theory. So they're getting ready to go in there and investigate this place. Guess what happens? The building catches on fire in an arson case that's never been the government th- that never arrested it in an arson case. The government. They use that place to do the bodies, and they burn the whole place. And no so you were you were uh, you're, you're convinced. Well, the government. I mean, he is wet. He's not. Yeah. He's not ashes. He's not. Nope. He's wet. He's wet. Over somewhere in the lakes. Yep. Pushed out of an airplane at 20,000 feet by the government. Uh, 10,000 feet, whatever. Definitely by the government as far as the state. I don't know. Yeah, we, I mean, what body of water, I don't know. But yeah, the body, well, that last one. Where is Jimmy Hoffa, Kirk Kelly? He's in a. He's incarnated with. <laughs> he is in the water somewhere. I don't know. Us. I think he's wet, definitely. I think we know more about it than people who give us credit. Lake Michigan. When I was younger, like I said, I thought it was full-on Richard Kalinske. He was in a car. He got shipped to Japan. Got melted down and used in an iron mill. Now, I think he's either underneath the Renaissance Center. I would almost go with that one, too. Or I think think he's under GM's headquarters. Or I think he, uh, he got incinerated. And I mean, he's gone. I think Central. Too many possibilities when you can sum it all up with government. And the, the funny thing is, that's all we're going to cover. That there is countless other theories out well, there, yeah, but I'm these sure. are the these are the main ones. There was theories that abounded about a decade ago of him being buried. Uh, he got taken out and executed about twenty miles outside of town on an old horse farm. Okay, the and he was buried beneath what became a horse barn. They, the FBI in 2013, the FBI, the the Michigan State Police, and whoever else, they were out there investigating this. They dug, this barn's no longer standing. They dug through the foundation where this concrete barn was. They dug 15, 20 so feet why, underground. Why would that have been, Nothing there. Why did they search that super, super uh, hard? But then whenever the because the guy that told them that was a big time mob guy, and he just yeah. So. I think they, they would basically it's it's them that did it and then they would have to cover their shit. You know, so they have to make up all these uh, the, you know. The mob 
It's probably involved with the government. Right? Yeah, well, they, he, he already mentioned that that was the case on other in other occasions, like Fidel Castro thing. Yeah. So that yeah. tells me that, you know, it was the government. So you think Hoffa was murdered by the government to keep quiet because, again, here you go. Either that or they froze his body with Austin Powers. This is similar to, you've got Kurt, you got two sons. This is similar to your sons getting in a fist fight with each other. You've got the CIA fighting with the FBI. Well, and this, I mean, essentially. Well, it is known that they did. Well, they, they aren't essential. Though. They aren't essential workers now. So. Work, essentially. I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, I, I smell a rat in the government. Okay. Have you ever seen a movie uh, or the show? Uh, I don't think we've ever had an episode where we've differed on opinions before. This is a, this is a steel toes and scoreboards first. Uh, Look at this. Twenty-five top point guards. I'd say there was a lot of difference. We don't talk about that episode. <laughs> it's with Hoffa buried. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> high five. It's it's that's it with Hoffa buried. It's buried or it's yeah. Hey, I feel whip. about this episode tonight as I felt about that one when I was doing the research on it. Like it was going to be a good episode. The only difference is that one's shit the bed. This one's not. I think it's a good episode. Shit the bed. Oh my god. So. Okay. Listeners, give us your theories. Yeah, we need to get some feedback on this shit. Yeah. Okay. California. So, what are we going to talk about in two weeks? Butthole circumference. <laughs> Mine would be it. That would be a big <laughs> circumference. You ever seen my hole? <laughs> Did I just say that? Uh, uh, wow. Yeah, what a turn of events here. What a turn of events here. Wide tape. We found Hoffa. No, no. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's close call. You know what my favorite Jimmy Hoffa joke is? What's that? Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty. You ever see that movie? Yeah. They find. So he's trying to get a news story. So. He, uh, this dog digs up Hoffa's body in the park, and he's the one that catches it, filming it with a camcorder. That's like, uh. I'd say we'll never really know. No, and they'll never find his body. I mean, no matter where it's at. Witnesses are dropping like flies, it sounds like to me, or possibly. There's, there's very, I, I, honestly, in my opinion, and me and you obviously are nobodies, we're not around enough people to know anything. I would be shocked if there's not five people or less left on this earth that right, actually knows right, exactly right, what happened right. or is still alive. It's you probably going to go to the grave too. So, um, those five people, who, who are they? Oh, God. Isaiah I'm just saying. I, I don't. Isaiah Thomas knows. Joe Biden. Okay. Yeah. And Joe Biden. Jesus knows. Yeah, he does. Jesus, Jesus knows. Somebody knows something. Batman. Batman knows everything. Okay, if only Superman were here to. Your ex girlfriend, she knew everything. Uh. <laughs> you see Kurt's face. <laughs> Dude, you can't say that on the air. Wieners. All okay. right. So. What are we going to talk about in two weeks? Uh, I don't know. I need we to. We better uh, get back to this. We better get back to hey, the scoreboards episode. No. No, bring me that bag over there. My the the black bag that's the the one that I keep the laptop in. We better do a scoreboard episode. You you want to get back to sports? We better get back into sports. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Bring me the black bag that's the got the little ones that I carry the laptop in. That one right there. Yeah. Just a six 
No, it was an old diaper bag for the kids, and I just threw it. Huge diapers bag. He's got the list, folks. We haven't seen this list in a long time, right. have we? Uh, no. That's what he started doing. So, I say we do this old school like I do. I'm going to give you a few choices, and you make them. But, before I open the list, here's what you were looking at. I mean, we are blowing through a lot of World Series episodes lately. Right. And, of course, we, we have the... Uh, the five ten-year intervals here, dating all the way back seventy-five years ago to forty-seven, and coming as far new as uh, five years ago with twenty seventeen. So wasn't there a nineteen seventy-five or seventy-six World Series in there? Oh, uh, of course there should. There was. There, there, there would have been two. <clears throat> there would have been two in there. There would have been seventy-seven, uh-huh. which broke your heart. Yeah. And there would have been seventy-two. Yeah. But we can't do 72 because we just did 1990. Right. Okay. And that would be, again, the Reds. But let's uh, let's just hold off on that a minute. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So here you go, Super Bowl 43, Card Steelers. Yeah. We always pass on that. Great game. Great game. Very good game. Uh, I was listening to one of our old episodes a couple weeks ago because I was looking for something in particular. I try not to, I try not to listen to our episodes anymore because I don't want it to affect our download data. Right. Because I want play over and over and over. Oh wait, you guys are. You mean do illegal forging of stats? That's Jimmy Hoffa (laughs) stuff there. (laughs) Spotify takes over 200 trees to get $1 from them. So, uh, anyways, uh, but I was looking for something. There was an episode that you wanted us to do one time, and I forgot about it until I just found it the other week. It was talking about the short-lived run of the USFL. Yeah. That fall in the 80s. So, there's that. There's two football episodes right there. Uh, We could. You know which one of them I'm going to pick. The card Steelers. Look at my wall right there. Yeah. yeah, the Steelers wall. Yes. Uh, um, we could uh, possibly do lingerie uh, league. A look. Oh God! Wow. Trust me, <laughs> that'd be a very sticky episode. <laughs> the lingerie league. It's a, it's a sticky oh, episode. It's hard to talk about. Uh, um. <laughs> We could talk about possibly uh, uh, a Shaq episode where we just look back at Shaq's career. Shaq. Most dominating. Uh, I don't. Bill Lambeer would not make Shaq piss himself. Bill Lambeer would have made Shaq cry like a bitch. I don't think so. It's Shaq, Bill Lambeer. I know that. It's Shaq. That was like one of the greatest lines in the original open ever. Shamp. Bill Lambeer would have been like, hey, Shaq, come here. What? <laughs> and and Bill Lambeer would have called Shaq a racial slur. He would have said, you got ugly, you got teeth that makes you look like a horse or something. Or he would have said something about, I banged your mom. And Shaq would have ran off the ran off the court crying. No. Bill Shaq Lambeer would, was an asshole. He was an asshole. And he was a physical player. Shaq hurt more people on I'm accident. I'm not saying it's right, but Lambeer, think about that, how it was in the 80s. Lambeer would have called him a racial slur. Probably yeah, poked definitely. him in the eye, definitely. kicked him in the nuts. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that, like all that, because basically, like Shaq, it ain't like Shaq wasn't tough or whatever. I was gonna say, you know how many people Shaq hurt on accident? Probably yeah, just setting the screen, or just setting the screen, or going up for a rebound. Well, well I mean, 
Lambeer would have kicked him in the nuts. Draymond Green does that now, don't he? <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, he probably got away with the one. And then, like, Bill and Beer were going to be able to guard Shaq. And better right. David Robinson was able to guard Shaq. Right. That's take. a hot take. Yeah. David Robinson way better defense than Bill and And he couldn't stop Bill, Shaq. Bill and Beer was good at defense because of how he played, and it was dirty. It wasn't, it wasn't basketball, you know? He's, he's getting going. He's wanting I mean, his, I, he's wanting I'll his mic. I'll put him on it. Shaq would kick his ass. See you, Bass. Okay, how about this? Tell me... You want to do a sports episode this time. You want to get back. So pick a sport and I'll figure out what we're going to talk about. I said what are you doing for? We've got we've got super we've got football, we've got baseball, basketball, hockey, NASCAR. Tom, Tomlin getting fired. Yeah, that would be bad. Mike Tomlin. Getting fired. Yeah. Oh, fuck want to talk uh, about that. It's the Rooney rule. Can he pick it? Or pick it. Pick it. Pick it. Pick it. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Four games, and they're going to say they're going to bench Trubisky. And this is what? That was what? Game three? Yeah. Yeah. After next week, he's getting benched. he's starting. Yeah, but after he fucks up next week, he's getting benched again. He's definitely going to fuck up next week, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just given. He's going to fuck up, yeah. And furthermore. And him and Canada go riding off for a sunset together. (laughs) And Tomlin is. They fuck. Yes. Wow. Hot take. You guys are pretty... Uh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. Basically, he is right now, for sure. Nine and eight he, every I mean, year. Nine and eight every year does not cut it, folks. Nine and eight every year does not cut it. Does not cut, cut it. it. Well, that definitely... His average would definitely not be that every year, nine and eight. Uh, it would be pretty close. He's never had a, a, even a losing season. That would be right on the brink of it. And he's won at least two Super Bowls. He's not won two Super Bowls. He's won Bowl. one Super Bowl. He's, he's been, been to two. two or three. He's been to two. They oh, won so in uh, and, 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 and that was inherited. He uh, inherited both of them teams from Cower. Yes, not still by yes. twenty ten. Yes. yes, not still yes. by twenty ten. Yes. Yes. A team is way different from one year to the next. Well, I mean, I'll give you that. He probably inherited what was from twenty ten, but twenty oh four. Larry Fitzgerald. I love Larry Fitzgerald. He was he, you, know, you know he's not officially retired? So you want to do our second official Super Bowl recap? Yeah. You want to do Steelers cards? Yeah. That was one of the best Super Bowl games I've Pretty ever watched. Pretty damn good game. Yeah. You know, Harrison had, had that. It had it all. Harrison had that return. Yeah. Uh, and Santonio Holmes, the end zone catch. Great catch. And then Larry Fitzgerald, that entire postseason, Which, setting records. Yeah. Wait, what year was that one though? Oh, nine. That was the two. Oh, eight. That, it would have oh, the 2008 season, but the Super Bowl would have been in 2009. 2009. Yeah, Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald broke all kind of the postseason Card- records that the, season. The Cardinals wasn't expected to be there. They, no, they, but they, Kurt they got, Warner. They got on a roll in the playoffs. They had a nice little one. They had a nice little two, three year run there. Yeah. After, after Kurt Warner had been the backup for original USC standout Matt yeah, Liner, Matt Liner, and uh, Liner shit the bed. He yeah. was a southpaw. Yeah, Liner was a southpaw. He never added. He never mounted shit, did he? No, and you know I don't think that's all his fault. Like, uh, he was white. You know the two biggest busts at the NFL level. They always say come out a wide receiver and quarterback. So I don't. I mean, they always say it's because they always say they always say that it's easy because with the running back you just run the ball with with route with running routes you've got. I don't know. It just it's what. And a quarterback better have some sort of IQ. Well, yeah, 
Okay, so let's 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 do Super Bowl episode. Then. Yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, I'll be all giddy. Uh, sometime. So let me uh, let me as we start to wrap up here. <laughs> wrap up. <laughs> wrap your whacker. <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> These EQs are popping. popping. So Kurt, uh, we still recording? Yeah. So. Uh, let's do a little bit of, uh, word association. Okay. Okay. Jimmy Hoffa. The government did it. The government theory. Uh, right on. Hoffa being buried under Detroit skyline. Possible. Hoffa being relocated in witness protection. Nah. Nah. Tony Pro Provenzano. Greatest gangster name ever. Anthony Tony Jack Jackaloni. Another great gangster name. All the mafia names I've said tonight. It's Tony. It's Tony. It's Tony. It's Tony. It's Tony. How would Sylvester Stallone fit into this? He don't, does he? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do his little. Uh, yeah, boy, you know, you got a smart mouth. <laughs> It's been a, it's been a great Mick, show. Yo, Mick. How do you think we did on this episode? You think this is going to be one of our better ones? Man, I mean, we we had a lot of fun tonight. I had fun, yeah. <laughs> and we still don't know where Jimmy Hoffa is at. Damn it. Where is Jimmy Hoffa? Exactly. Is he alive? No. Okay. No. He'd be 110 no. years he's old. Over, he's over 100 years old. He'd be 110. Oh, yeah, they froze him. Okay. Well, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I mean, uh, I mean, look at Bill Gates. He's two hundred and fifty right now. Who is Bill Gates? Uh, oh, that must be from that triple COVID injection. I don't have that yet. Years old. Bill Gates? Yeah. No. Oh yeah. No. Anthony Fauci is uh, one hundred seventy-five. <laughs> yeah, he's starting a new career at eighty years old. Believe that? Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. So. What's coming up next for me and Kurt? Uh, this coming week, there will be, uh, unfortunately, there'll be no weeknight episode because I've got to uh, be out of town. I got to be out of town. I got to go work up in Indianapolis. You know, uh, we're doing uh, Verizon Tower work this week, Uh-oh. not anything internet. Don't be hiding no bodies we're, in there now. We're going to be, uh, at one point this week, we're going to be right across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium. Right. We are going to be at the biggest Verizon 5G hub in the state of Indiana. So I was joking with my boss, my best friend, and I said, so if I take something out, he goes, you pretty much shut the entire state down. I said, cool. I said, I have the power. So uh, we'll be looking for, but fortunately that means we and I won't, uh, and this coming weekend I'll have the kids. So in two weeks we'll get back together, do a weeknight. And then we'll do uh, Steelers Cardinals. Steelers Cardinals. Uh, coming up, we do have uh, – we are getting into postseason baseball time here. Yes. Very yeah. short. Uh, Kurt and I – what one little project. I want to talk about a couple things before we wrap it up tonight. Uh, I did a list of things uh, prior to me and Kurt going to Richmond. Basically, I went back 75 years. I covered uh, every World Series – in five and ten year intervals. So basically every year ending in a seven or every year ending in a two. 
next year it'll be every year ending in an eight or every year ending in a three. We're going to start to look at anniversary series going back in five and ten year intervals as far back as 75 years. There is some good World Series to cover uh, in this period here, 47, 52, 57, 52, all the way back up until five years ago with the Astros and the Dodgers. Dodgers, right. So we're going to try to knock a couple of those out. Uh, we also, before the end of the year, I would like to knock out part three, which of our uh, overreach series, which would be Oklahoma City bombing. Right. And then uh, just for shits and giggles, because Kurt gets excited, I would like to knock out Killdozer, too. Killdozer, we got to do it. We yeah. got to do Killdozer. Uh, <laughs> oh, could you imagine if you get pissed off, just weld you up a a dozer to look like a tank, tank. and just just you know when he set that lid on there it was pretty clear he wasn't coming back out again right, so right and he went in prepared the amount of money and time he's you imagine the looks on their faces when they see that thing coming at him? i guarantee you somebody at least pissed their pants once absolutely <laughs> sure bet what do you what do you think of our new sitting arrangements here i like it we're both sitting in recliners and I'm holding the mics in our hands. I like it. That's pretty different. Uh, all right. Uh, what's also next for uh, Steel Toes and Scoreboards is uh, Mr. Doyle and I are going to be uh, doing an NBA season preview coming up over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, I'm going to kind of let uh, I'm going to kind of let old Buttercup over there dictate how we do this because he's more up to date with the newer NBA guys than what me or Kurt are. So I don't even know if Kurt will be a part of it. It might just be me and Dole's thing. But uh, how are we gonna how are we gonna do that there, Buttercup? I don't know. We'll worry about we gonna do team by team breakdown or what? Uh, gonna be a remote or gonna be a remote? We'll remote or am I gonna be? You oh, he's gonna take it very seriously. Seriously, right? Okay, all right. So uh, who's gonna win it this year? LeBron, another championship, baby. I have to agree. Oh, I got a I got a LeBron story to tell you that involves Patrick Beverly and how stupid he is. Dude, which one's stupid? Patrick Beverly's stupid. Yeah, he definitely is. Apparently, he said he he dick twisted LeBron in the Lakers locker room and said, uh, "You're gonna listen to me now, LeBronny boy, because I made the playoffs last year and you didn't." And I was talking to some people, some of my friends. I'm like, okay, number one, if if Patrick Beverly and I and I think Beverly's an okay scorer. I don't think he's a star. I don't think he's I don't think he's a star. But uh, I was like, you know, if Beverly would ever dick twist LeBron, LeBron would kill him in his sleep. Like this, this is not going to happen. Like this is LeBron. This is the greatest player in the league, like in the world. And remember, I used to hate LeBron forever. I came around on him the last five or six years, but. Uh, anyways, well, it's just Patrick Beverly running off at the mouth. I, I don't know. That, would, that don't even sound like something that would happen. But I mean, I guess maybe they were jacking each other off or something. What the <laughs> fuck? All right. So for uh, Ethan Doyle, Kirk Kelly, I'm Jared Atkins. We're gonna go ahead and shut it off there. We've already crossed several boundaries tonight. We've made plenty of dick jokes and sex jokes, and Kirk Kelly's got blue balls and. Jesus Christ. I'm out. All right, so we will uh, see you guys next week.